0: 74 of the sleeper and the bus it is wednesday june 28th i'm your host paul spore and i've got a solo episode for you today that is well it's gonna knock your socks off um i feel confident in that you know i'm not recording this intro afterwards it might not be a socks removing episode i might be overhyping it but i'm putting that out there okay here's what i've got planned starting pitchers that's it that's all you need to know. We're going to talk about a buttload of starting pitchers, a ton of them. We're going to go through the must starts, the usually starts, the spot starts, and even get in on some of the uh, the, the the could starts. Probably not going to cover all of those. You don't need anything on tie block. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna dive deep here. We're gonna talk about a lot of guys. I did a June update. On Friday, it's on the website. You can find it. Um, If you go into positional rankings and click SP, it'll be there. If you just search under my name, it'll be there. I'll put it in the show notes. But I figure, you know, it's a good time to really just kind of dive in on a bunch of guys and and, and talk about what we're seeing this year and talk about maybe some of the the reasons that they're slotted where they are, kind of how I see them going the rest of the year. I know that it is still difficult to not look at the number next to a guy and, and really focus on that but but I promise you that that these tiers really matter a lot more and and one of the things about them I think particularly with the must-start tiers that there are certain guys in there that don't they don't match up with a Kluber or a granky or a Carrasco uh let alone you know Kershaw Scherzer, or sale and and you're like well how's that guy must start the point is is that there, there? there's there's no there's no time where you know okay I can't I can't play him here or or I'm gonna jump off because of this uh, he's facing a bunch of lefties and he doesn't do well against lefties he's going on the road and he's terrible on the road this that and the other the things that you can normally see like a Colorado pitcher Tyler Chat would never start at home super jump on him when he gets good road matchups or even you know Pretty much just any road matchup, but really get him if he's going to go San Diego, San Francisco or something like that, right? Like we know certain guys. I think the one that really still jumps out to people is Michael Pineda and uh, we'll, we'll get to him. I'm actually not going to start with him. I'm going to kind of go in order here or at least start a little bit more at the top. So let's just dive in. Obviously at the very top was Clayton Kershaw. That's that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Um, he's still the number one guy, but it isn't with the same gap. That it's been in recent years, I don't think um, you could make a case. I, I I think Scherzer's actually been better this year. If you if you really break down the numbers now, Kershaw has a couple extra wins. It might make up for the little ERA and WHIP difference, but then Scherzer has more strikeouts. You know, Scherzer has the ERA, WHIP, strikeout edge, uh, Kershaw and, and innings edge, four innings, and then Kershaw has a couple wins. So you know, I, I I'm sure it's Scherzer at the top, and I've got no problem if somebody wants it. it frankly it doesn't really matter between those two. The point is that Kershaw is no longer a, a big gap away from both Scherzer and Chris Sale. I'm going to get Chris Sale in there as well. Those are the top 3 guys by far. Those are the guys that if you're trying to trade for them, you got to give up a haul. And and if you are trading them, you better you better um you know complete you know almost make over your team. You you better you better plug multiple holes. Um, if you're going to trade them, you, you are in a position, if you're going to trade Scherzer, Kershaw, Sale, and and a few other of these, uh, of the bankable studs, then you can cover two, three holes on your team. You get a big impact bat, whether it's a a speed or power guy, depending on what you need, you get a capable arm. That you can also fill in but maybe has a little bit of sketchiness to him like obviously he can't be as good you know you're not going to get Kluber and Bellinger or something like that I don't think it's it's not on that level but 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 you try to move a Kershaw or Scherzer you get you know you get Trey Turner for the steals because you're really low in steals you get um, I don't know like a like an Aaron Nola for the pitcher and you still get a third piece like that, you can you can be asking for that easily, and I'm bad at coming up with trades off the top of my head. So maybe even that is light. Maybe you go, you want Kershaw, you want Sale, you want Scherzer, give me Garrett Cole, Trey Turner, and a, and a little throw in lottery ticket that I like, and then obviously that'd be whoever you like off a team, and, and then you throw back your two scrubs. You make it three for three, right? So it doesn't look like you're given all you're given all that for the one player. You throw in the two guys you would cut anyway. And it's three for three. That's a little eno tip there. Never, never do the, never do the three for one. Never do the two for one. Throw in the guy you're gonna cut anyway. It just looks better. It's, it's optics. So anyway, those are the three guys at the top. They're the clear best pitchers in the game right now, both on the field. And in fantasy, uh, sometimes there, things are a little bit different there, where a guy might be better in fantasy than he is kind of on the field because he puts up a bunch of strikeouts, and you can kind of outrun the ERA and WHIP, or he's got good metrics uh, results, ERA and WHIP, but isn't so so great with like strikeouts. Maybe like an Ivan Nova. So it, it, it can go either way. Those are the best guys. Corey Kluber, I put four. Um, he's been an absolute monster since returning. It's it's just been absolutely ridiculous. He looks like peak Kluber. You know, some are even saying that the curveball is better than it's ever looked. I don't know that I disagree. I really don't. And you're talking about a guy who uh, has a Cy Young under his belt and and plenty of Cy Young caliber, um, you know, stretches beyond that as well. So Corey Kluber, right back up there near the top, had a look, had some struggles this year and, and and said he had to get himself right. They made a decision. He was talking about it. I can't remember on which show on MLB Network, but saying, listen. I knew it wasn't really going the way it was supposed to, so we took some time off, figured some things out, and now I'm back. And hell yeah, he's back. Speaking of back, Granky, Zach Greinke's been awesome. You know, the 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 thing that had me really concerned coming into the year was just health. You know, that was really my. Own. I, I I figure if he's healthy, he's not a four thirty seven ERA pitcher. He might not be a one sixty six, which is what he had in fifteen. Uh, Arizona is a difficult place to pitch. But he's not, he's not a 437. So I, I had some confidence in him. I cannot say I was out there in front or, or saw this coming as a superstar season. I will not say that. But I'm not surprised by it. And I do buy that he's quote unquote back. I, I I definitely buy that. There are a little bit more home runs that the home runs from last year are still here to stay. But when you're not walking guys and now his hits are back down, that's when Granke is operating on all cylinders. He's at a 308 ERA right now. I think he's going to be kind of in a 275 to 320 the rest of the way. That sounds like a wide gap. It's 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 really not when you when you factor it over another 100 innings. Um, you, you would take that as your ace easily. Carlos Carrasco is an interesting one. I put him at six. You know, th- this guy's really starting to frustrate me. And I, I think if I just just what four or five days later, if I redo these, I don't put him that high. And yeah, it it is a little bit based on one start but it's what that one start signifies it, it it just keeps happening it just keeps happening um we just don't get the 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 12 to 15 start stretch where he can't give up a 5 plus run game he's got two fives and then the most recent one is an 8 against Texas 3 and a third 8 runs um you know two really bad innings to start four runs in the first three runs in the second and and at that point you're gassed you know he had 58 pitches what, what what else did he have left he makes it 78 pitches and they take him out after three and a third so I still like Carrasco he's still a must start again when, when when are you benching him one of the bad starts was five runs at KC nobody sat him for that five runs home to Tampa Bay Tampa Bay they got a solid offense this year nobody's sitting him for that there's no rhyme or reason to like when these are going to come that's what makes it so frustrating because when he's on carlos carrasco is amazing and he and he looks like an ace and he looks elite now this year he does have a home road split 505 at home 254 on the road but the skills are and i mean they're they're damn close um i'm looking at b ref here so i'm going to go with with K9 as opposed to strikeout percentage but there's not going to be a huge difference 9.4 strikeouts per nine at home 9.6 on the road 3-3 strikeout to walk ratio at home 4-4 on the road that's a difference but not so much so that you're explaining um, a doubling of the ERA you have to start him everywhere it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense um next up is Chris Archer oh it's Car- Carlos Martinez and Chris Archer kind of bunch them together they're like ALNL versions of each other to me a little bit um I just I I love both these guys um now Martinez has it a little bit easier in the AL and his run is his ERA is a full run lower so when I when I'm comping them I'm not necessarily even saying that that they do things all the same I I don't know for some reason I just I group them together I think based on on the fact that i had them both as potential breakout studs this year like 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 cy young candidate types who could have that that dream year um for martinez it was more of um you know putting it together after showing the little bits here and there and having a really good season last year for archer it was something of you know we we, we've we've seen actually you know what they're even more they're even more comfortable than I thought. That's two really good seasons in a row for Carlos Martinez coming into this year. Like damn good seasons. I kind of forgot how good he was in 15. Pardon me, Carlos. You were a beast. And, and and he you know was a little bit worse skills-wise last year, but then put up the same damn season. 301 ERA, 304 ERA. Um whip 129, 122. Actually improved the whip in 16. But the strikeouts were down and the walks were static, the home runs were static. The fact of it is, Carlos Martinez, we've been seeing him as a potential ace for years. And I, I think a trajectory like his is something to keep an eye on when you're talking about any young pitcher. Like, look at what he's been – it feels like he's been around for a while. Because, um, I mean, he has. He came up at 21. He was a reliever uh, for 28 and a third innings. Then relieved most of 2014, 50 of his 57 appearances were out of the bullpen. He threw 89 in the third innings. He would dazzle here and there. You'd see the stuff. You understood why you why you wanted to be excited about him, but he wasn't really uh, an impact starter by any stretch of the imagination. You knew this was a guy that they were, they were grooming this way, though. I never thought that he was going to get stuck in the bullpen the way, say, a Trevor Rosenthal did, though everything added up that carlos martinez was going to get his real shot at starting but he was 22 there was no need to rush it and they didn't age 23 comes out puts up that big 179 and two-thirds inning season in 2015 and then followed it up last year with a buck 95 i mean he's a beast and then this year he's having the ace turn he looks like a true ace throwing a hundred uh with a disgusting changeup, a filthy slider i mean he's he's got the tools the tools are all there for Carlos Martinez. Uh, that's why I rated him so highly. I've got Chris Archer right there. Chris Archer, you know, this is not a knock because I would never knock somebody for being smart, but I think sometimes pitchers are a little bit, uh, you know, they say too smart for your own good. Like Again, I, I'm I'm uncomfortable saying that because I would never want to um, discourage somebody from thinking about their craft and, and, and being cerebral, but I do think at times, you know, you can get a little bit in your head, perhaps a little bit too much, I think um you know i i I've, I've i've seen it i've seen it before i just feel like sometimes that happens nevertheless he continues to put up quality seasons even last year when chris archer kind of fell on his face 402 era he still he still uh rang the bell t- 33 times 201 in the third innings 233 strikeouts 124 whip you know no one's season no one's fantasy season was ruined because of chris archer even though it didn't go according to plan. You know, um on ESPN's player radar, he was like the 40th starting pitcher. Okay, you know, and you obviously drafted him well beyond that. I I don't I don't I don't feel like he was I don't feel like he was 40th. I don't know. I mean, he was like that that that's their metrics. I I rely on them often. I can't I can't use the player radar when I like it and then and then knock it if it if it doesn't support me. I just I didn't feel that that was a season where you're like, oh, man, um, this is why I lost. My season fell apart because Chris Archer, you know, only, you know went 201 innings of a 402-yard Uh But either way, you know, it, it was it was a turn from the previous two seasons, 333, 323, with quality skills. The skills were still there last year, but the home runs were up. We started to see the home run revolution start to take over last year. Actually, it started in second half of 15, but really came through last year and really hit. That raised team, if you looked at it, all those guys had home run issues, and he was not immune to it. Uh, but the strikeouts are there. The walks are, are solid. You can live with with two-and-a-half to three walks. Um, and he's doing the same thing this year. Strikeout rate's up up a little bit from 10.4 to 10.9. Walk rate's actually down a, a, a shred, 3.0 to 2.8, basically static. But the home runs are back down. They're back down to kind of the career level of Chris Archer. And so I actually think that the the three eighty eight ERA that we're seeing – has some wiggle room down. If these skills hold up, he's going to get better. He's just got a few of those those games that, 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 that kind of got away from him. No major blowups. Chris Archer has gone at least five innings in every game this year. And and the, the two outings where he allowed more than five runs, he went five innings, six runs at Cleveland. I think that was a one bad inning situation. Yet yeah, the bad first inning. He gave up five of those runs. And then uh, at Baltimore, Six and two-thirds, five runs, and um, boy, I I don't know on this one. I, I know there was a, a handful of homers. This was back in April, and I think the bullpen might have given up some of those runs in that seventh inning. But either way, it doesn't matter. You know, The fact is, if your duds are going to be six and two-thirds, five runs, I'll take it. I think where we need to see him, Chris Archer I'm talking about, where we need to see him step up in terms of getting his ERA down to where his skills uh suggest they can be is avoiding that bad inning and 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 get more of those six innings one run seven innings one run sort of deal instead of having that that one damn inning where you give up multiple runs and it's like ah now it's six and four seven and four six and three and it's like those aren't bad starts especially because they usually come with like eight plus strikeouts but they need to be better. Let's just put it at that. So, okay. I, I can't spend that much time on everybody. This will be a 14-hour podcast. Steven Strasburg, you Darvish, they are ALNO version of each other, in my opinion, um, and others. I, I think that was uh, talked about a lot in the in the preseason. I think others were kind of jumping onto that. Um, so that that's a common thing that I that I agree with. I think you look at those two. Injury issues seem to always put up a roadblock at some point and despite super elite stuff uh they'll have that hiccup that just ah damn you know you were on that run and then you had the five inning thing because maybe something was wonky not not enough to like go on the dl or or come out of the game but maybe maybe your shoulder was bulky that game and you just didn't have a certain pitch for it and that's why you went six innings five runs whatever they just always seem to just be missing that that over the top now, Darvish has been better this year than Strasburg, but but it's it's minimal, it's, it's cosmetic, really. I think it's ERA based. Um, the WHIP isn't that different. The strikeout walk ratios are pretty similar. I I like both. They're obviously soup They're aces. In in this, even with their with their you know nitpicky flaws, in this environment, they're bona fide aces. It's it's plain and simple. Uh, Johnny Cueto is a guy that is obviously not having the season that we would have expected slash wanted and, and, and paid for uh, the giants as a whole certainly are not. They've been a nightmare, but what are you going to do? Y- you ride it out. You know, he's having his Chris Archer season. He's up at a four twenty ERA. Um, and, but, but the skills are, are, are pretty much still there. The walks are up a little bit. Home runs are really getting Johnny Cueto. And if the home runs come back to earth, then I think we're at least, at least going to get like uh you know, a three fifty ERA the rest of the way. Right now he's at four twenty. Uh, you know, a little bit fitting for San Francisco, but I, I i think he's better. We'll see if he gets traded. If he gets traded, maybe it's something that kind of jump starts the season a little bit. Although, you know, he's got a one-six Homer per nine pitching half of his games in San Francisco. I don't know, you know. Hopefully he doesn't go to a team that um that has a worse park than that, say, you know, the Yankees. Um uh, you would like it maybe from the run support angle. But would you like it from the park? It just—I I don't see something that says these home runs are a major issue. I'm looking right now by by the way at Cueto's game log. It really is homers on the road. Uh, only one time has he given up multiple homers at home. It was three against KC of all teams. Just to kind of keep the craziness of this year that you you can't really predict it. But either way, uh, Cueto st- still still a fantasy ace, still somebody that. You have to run out there. I know he's not putting up the fantasy ace numbers, but if you're trying to pick and choose, uh, you're going to get burned. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to try to do that. You have to ride Cueto out. Uh, Jacob Degrom has has had a little bit of a topsy turvy season. When you really look at it, uh, again, kind of like the Giants, that Mets team as a whole has, and so th- these pitchers kind of fit that. They they are the uh, they epitomize that just within their own game log. But uh, he's finally starting to get himself back on track. Jacob DeGrom is. He's come um, after two just nightmare starts where it was like, what the hell? Four innings, seven runs against Milwaukee, four innings, eight runs at Texas, 15 runs and in eight innings. The weird thing was, is that he'd just come off of 15 and a third innings, one run against the Angels in Pittsburgh with 19 strikeouts uh, before those two starts. Well... He answered similarly. He's now gone 9, 8, and 8, allowing one, one, one. only two of those runs earned. Uh, Jacob deGrom has. So now you're looking at 25 innings, .72 ERA, 12 hits allowed, 19 strikeouts. Strikeouts a little bit down from what we normally expect, but overall they've been great. I'll, listen, you're going to go nine, 8, 9 innings, I'll take 6, 7 strikeouts. I'll, ne- I'll never bitch about that. I just, I won't i love strikeout per inning but when you're going those amount of innings i don't mind conserving a little bit uh you know because he's run up some high pitch counts this year i think because of some of the strikeout stuff for degrom i've got no problem with this this is a guy that you you had a small window to buy low there when when um when he was giving up all those runs in those two games and you know by lesser, I wouldn't even say by, lo- like, I don't think he was coming at bargain basement prices, but you could, you could go in there with an offer that was uh, not full market value on DeGrom and probably get it done. Now, obviously you can't, he would cost you an arm and a leg and rightfully so. Alex Wood comes in at 13 and man, I love what this guy's doing. And I, and I really haven't been a fan prior to this year, you know, working with, uh, with Doug Thorburn um, on the starting pitcher guide for several years prior to, to this year taking a hiatus. I, I read a lot of his stuff on Alex Wood, and he and I would have conversations about Alex Wood. He called him the Tasmanian devil. Uh, I com- I comped him to Ubaldo from the left side one time in terms of his mechanics. Just a lot of uh, uneasiness around his mechanics and difficult to repeat because they are so convoluted or you know sketchy i mean they they just they weren't good and so he would have these these runs of success and they were usually interrupted by injury um or 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 a bad stretch you know he had the one the one tough year in in 2015 when his strikeout rate tumbled from 25 percent to 17 percent uh and the era went from 278 to 384 but this bad year was a 384 136 whip like that that wasn't good i'm not going to sit here and tell you that but for taking 32 starts and and that's your bad year that's not bad as a 24 year old so i i i missed the boat on alex wood this was a guy that um you know i, di- I just didn't see it coming i don't know who saw this coming but either way he was never somebody that i was that was super hyped on so i would never you know you, ha- you have your guys that when their value bottoms out, you'll say, okay, I'll take a share here. I'll take a share there just because it's a guy I've liked that wasn't Alex Wood for me. So I kind of missed that boat, but he's been amazing. And I, and I, I buy what he's doing. Um, I want to say Doug has talked about it on his own podcast about the mechanics being better. They, they do still have some, some quirk to them, but I don't think they're at a level where, well, obviously they're more repeatable right now because it's working. He's got his walk rate down. He's got his strikeout rate up to a career high. Velocity is way up. Swinging strike rate is way up. Like, everything is clicking. You talk about a guy who is going against that home run revolution, 67% ground ball rate. To get that kind of ground ball rate with a 30% strikeout rate, who's, you know, pitch for pitch, who's pitching better than Alex Wood right now? You know? I mean, nobody. Now, that doesn't mean he's the number one pitcher going forward because we have to talk about what we expect to happen the rest of the way not just what has happened but i think you can make a case that 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 pitch for pitch inning for inning alex wood's been baseball's best pitcher so far um and i do think a lot of it's going to continue not at a 186 clip i don't i don't project anyone for a 186 uh maybe a handful of the aces two three years ago before the before this home run boon you would you would start to actually kind of project some guys at at sub two eras which was insane but you know kershaw you could say ah, eh, he'll have a 190 or something like that but in this home run era you can't i know that that he's stifling homers alex wood is and i, I expect him to continue that that's something he's done throughout throughout his career this year it's been in, insane though at 0.3 and it's because of that crazy ground ball rate that sinker's running up to 93 right now with great movement um i do buy alex Wood. i still worry about health health has been a concern throughout his career I don't think you can ignore that, but you can put, you can you can tag that on every pitcher. You really can, even the ones who are healthy. Uh, you know the, the 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 phrase I like to use, and I I acknowledge that's a bit trite, but you're healthy till you're not, because it's that's what it is. Like uh, we have so many guys, and it happens on the offensive side too. It's like, well, they're the guaranteed guy. They're the guy I like because they're going to play a buck fifty-five, or they're going to throw their thirty starts. Uh, because they're so healthy and then it gets to a certain point where it's like well then they get hurt because you know they're they're 33 now they've established this track record and now their bodies are a little bit more you know um prone to to some some bumps and bruises here and there. now Alex Wood is 26 but he has an injury track record we know some of the stuff that the uh that the Dodgers have been doing I, I think they've been goofing with the uh I think they've been goofing a bit with the with, with the disabled list. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. But either way, Alex Wood, amazing. If you're selling him, ask for top dollar. And if someone doesn't pay it, ride it out. Because even if he goes all the way to last year and he gives you a 376 ERA and a 126 whip the rest of the way, then Alex Wood was a win for you. Even even with that, even if that's "Quote unquote, all he gives you three seventy three. Did I say three seventy six? I'm at three seventy three one twenty six. Three seventy three ERA right now is nothing to be scoffed at. Like that. That's that we have to adjust. I don't think everyone's adjusted their their ideas of what a good usable ERA is because we're still getting out of that crazy era. You know where a three seventy three ERA would slot right now uh, among qualified starters? Twenty sixth. Right behind Jacob DeGrom's 371, you got Bundy, Dylan Bundy, and Alex Cobb, both at 373. So Alex Wood has a hell of a lot of wiggle room. He can add two runs to his ERA the rest of the year, like, and, and be that guy, be a 373 the rest of the way, and be very much a net positive. So uh, ask for a mint, and uh, or, or don't trade him. All right, next up is Jake Arrieta. And Justin Verlander, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put those two together. Actually, let me see here. I want to look at somebody else's numbers. I might I might be doing a trio here. Let's see. Yeah, let's get John Lester in there as well. Let's go Lester, Arrieta, uh, or what is what do I got? I got Arrieta, Verlander, Lester. 14, 15, 16. Again, the numbers don't really matter to me. It's about the tier. I kind of slotted them how I like them, but you know there there's movement uh, within that. None of those three are having the season that was expected. Arietta in particular, Arietta and Verlander have been particularly tough Lester at a 3.83 as I, as I just mentioned, 3.83 ERA, he's 29th in the league. So, uh, maybe it is unfair to, to bunch him in there and he's he was listed third among the group. Maybe he needs to leapfrog those two in terms of perception. Uh, but either way, it's not quite what we'll be expected. I, again, I I will give Lester I will say okay, Lester Home runs getting you a little bit. Um, I think walks are up a little bit, and that explains kind of your ERA jump. Two forty four. We weren't. We weren't putting a two forty four on him. You know, with, with the way with the way things are happening with offense right now, we weren't. But home runs are up. Hits are up. Okay, we knew the, I we knew the defense wasn't going to do the same things for this Cubs pitching staff that it did last year. It just wasn't. It was a historical defense, and I know that they brought most of the same guys back, but to me you were just asking them to to repeat what they did and and it wasn't the same exact unit either. If it had been the same exact unit, okay, maybe we can talk. But it wasn't. You put Kyle Schwarber in left, you lose Dexter Fowler. Um, you know, I I just I didn't think it was automatically the same. Either way, Lester, okay, you're fine. You you've been great uh great enough. 383 RA, top 30 pitcher still. You're still getting a lot of quality. You can't do anything about about it you know even if even if he was toting a 420 right now it would be Johnny Cueto you're not taking him out now Arietta and Verlander are guys that are definitely pissing their fantasy owners off Arietta, I was just not in on him this year and it's not because I thought a 467 ERA was coming so I don't want to pretend that 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 is not what this is like told y'all uh it was health for me it was health. I I was concerned that he wasn't going to make it through the season, and he's made you know he's tied for the league high in 16 starts. So uh, he's taken all his turns. So it's not that, but the command issues that we saw last year are still there, and you know he's improved the walks ever so slightly from three five to three one. Let me let me get a percentage on that. Let me let me do that real quick. Hang on, y'all. This is gonna be a long one too. So. I'm gonna be taking some drinks. I got two drinks here. That's that's saddling y'all. Okay, so he's improved it better, uh, more than I thought when you look at it from a percentage standpoint, from 10% to 8%. So take two ticks off, you go from pretty bad to uh, to about average. And the strikeout rate is static, 24%, 24.2% this year. So what the hell's going on? It's command though, control and command. We talk about the differences on this podcast a lot. Control. Put the ball in the zone. Command. Put the ball where you want it, both in and out of the zone. Really. I think his command is off. I think that's the real issue right now. In addition to a lot of the same the control issues that we saw crop up last year with Arietta, those are not improved enough to um, you know cover some of the command troubles. So now you've added another issue. Now you're having trouble spotting the ball. On the corners that you want, or you know, um, outside of the zone to draw that to draw that swing and miss that you want, and his chase rate continues to go down: thirty-three percent, thirty-four percent, thirty percent, twenty-eight percent. Those are the last four seasons of O-swing percentage, which is chase rate outside of the zone swing percentage for Jake Arrieta. And you know he's not getting ahead as much. And and let's never mind. Let me backtrack on that. That doesn't matter. He's he's the same guy he's been. Looking at the same four years, 60%, 60%, 59%, 60%. Never mind. That's not the thing. But he's in the zone more often and with lesser command, those are bad pitches. Those are hittable pitches. 47% zone percentage is a career high for Jake Arietta. And even though, and we, we know about the velocity issues, that's been talked about all year, um, and it's just tumbled. 94 95 94 92 those are the last four years i'll give i'll give me the exact 93 5 94 6 7 1 so it's a big jump here's the thing though the reason that he stays in the must start all, all, all i've said are negatives right here's the reason he stay, stays in the must start though when the hell are you gonna bench him do you know when he's gonna have a bad start do you know when he's going to be off? Can you just give up the innings? You know, at Miami, of course, you're starting him. He went seven innings, uh, one run. That's great. Were you not going to start him at Pittsburgh when he had only four and two-thirds? Only three runs, two of them earned. So it wasn't it wasn't like an ERA killer, but it certainly wasn't a start you would have expected. Yeah, you, you might have bunched him in Colorado. But I think Arrieta is even a guy that you probably still like at the point he took a 463 era into colorado i would have understood i would have understood somebody particularly like a 10 or 12 teamer where you are able to kind of play around with it more if they just said no i don't want it can't do it but i don't know i mean i guess some of these road starts you know at boston at colorado at washington yesterday okay, maybe maybe there, maybe there there is some situation. Maybe, they, maybe he needs to be a usually start and you start skipping out on some of these elite offenses on the road. But that's tough, man. I just don't think we have enough pitching to really do that. More power to you if you can. Maybe the one thing here, maybe I am talking myself into this a little bit because he's got a 504 ERA on the road and he's got an 837 OPS against lefties. So if you look and it's a road team... With some, with some, you know, big time lefties, three, four big time lefties. Maybe you say no on Arietta, but for me, I don't have him anywhere because I just wasn't in on him. I, I have a hard time seeing anybody really benching him, particularly. And I, I try to. I, I play a wide variety of leagues. I do have an a, an eleven team mixed, which is not that different from a 10 team mix. So I can't I don't want to say like I I can't possibly get in the mind of a 10 team mixed. <laughs> I'm a fantasy snob. No, I'm not. Listen, whatever league you play has its own challenges. I used to be a league shamer and make fun of people who played eight eight team league or whatever. Um but that's stupid. That's very stupid I think. So I d I don't do that anymore. Just because you're not uh you know trying to figure out who Phil Maytan is on san diego some of you don't even think that's a real player it is i saw him pitch in san diego this past weekend um doesn't mean you're not playing fantasy baseball if all you could get was seven of your buds that wanted to play with you and you got an 18 league then then play the hell out of that 18 league either way my point is outside of the shallowest leagues i have a hard time finding any any way that you can really confidently sit jake arietta same kind of goes for justin verlander they are a little bit of the ALNL counterparts of each other verlander I wrote about him a while ago. This stuff just isn't as crisp. Uh, certainly not as consistently as it was last year. Now, y- yesterday was encouraging, though I will say that because he give he comes out he gives up five straight hits, and I'm just dreading it. You know, I'm I'm a big Verlander honk. Y'all all know that. That's not surprising anybody. You know, I I I back him. Um, that's my boy. But I can be honest about it. And I was like, damn, dude. And it wasn't even like a bunch of massive hits, but it's it's just that little bit where he's a little bit off and they're squaring him up more and they're getting better hits off Verlander. So five hits, three runs in the first inning. I'm like, here we freaking go. Ends up going seven, giving up three. Really comes out. Four hits the rest of the night. Four hits, five strikeouts, one walk, no runs the rest of the night against KC Now, KC is not a world beater, but they had kicked his butt that first inning. And for Verlander to bounce back, that was really nice. And I thought, you know, he looked really good in Seattle as well. Uh, And then the Justin, or excuse me, the the Gerard Dyson bunt uh, really kind of created a chain effect. I will say, though, you know, Verlander handled handled it brilliantly. He understood that in that set, a 4-0, 4-0, 4-0 is 1-0 these days, man. 4-0 doesn't mean anything. Um, and it was in the sixth inning, so I, mad respect to him. Like I said, I got salty as a fan, just as a fan, because uh, I'm a Tigers fan, right? I'm a Verlander fan. I would love to see a, a, a perfect game or no hit or whatever. But um, logically, when when I step back and, and take the fan cap off for a minute, of course, of course, dude, that's part of his game too. It would be like maybe a little bit cheesier if it was Robinson Cano. I, I will I will admit that. But even still, if they were shifting him and, and Cano was just trying to jumpstart it, it is not a, a team's job to roll over and die for somebody, in the sixth inning especially, um, or ever really, uh, if they're throwing a historical game. No, F that. So, um, again, any any jokes I made on Twitter were, were, were just that. Fully understood the situation. But uh, to the point of Verlander, you look now – And despite some of these struggles and the fact that he still has a 447 ERA on the season, he's got a 374 over his last six starts, 33 and two thirds, 34 strikeouts. You know, he turned it on, I think in mid-May last year and really got going. We we haven't seen that yet. And a lot of it is just like I said, a, a little lack of crispness on a lot of his stuff because there's a lot more foul balls and that's become a big problem. This was an issue that he had years ago. I remember. Um, I can't remember exactly it might have been the two thousand eight season. I'm only picking that out because that was just definitely like his worst year. It was, that was uh his third season, so he goes Cy young or excuse me, he goes rookie of the year, uh big all-star season in two thousand seven, and then this four eighty-four ERA season. And I want to say his foul ball rate was through the roof that year. Batters would just fight to stay alive. He could not put guys away and he had a 484 but he, but he pitched his 33 turns and, and grinded through it still had a lot of good starts but had plenty of bad ones this season's looking a little bit like that with, with some of those same struggles of guys just fighting off fighting off fighting off even at 95 96 like they're fighting off fighting off they're staying alive and they're either getting walked career high 4.2 walk rate uh al high 44 walks so far or they're getting knocks 93 hits in 94 and two-thirds innings so, I don't know if it's a pitch mix change or or an approach change. The thing of it is, I think Verlander's always working um, and 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 trying to figure it out, and I do like that. And again, when are you gonna bench him? You know, I I do see that it is Stark home road two forty five six twenty two. Are you just gonna flat bench him on the road though? Do do you have enough pitching that you can do that? Because Damn, I sure don't. And, you know, that road ERA is really built off of two starts. The, the thrashing in Cleveland where he allowed three homers, and then when Houston tattooed him, uh, also with three homers. Uh, big fourth inning in that game. I think both games had one huge inning. Uh, actually, no, the Cleveland one was a, a pretty steady barrage. Uh, they just, they've got his number, particularly in Cleveland, these last couple of years. Um, but then the one in Houston was, was one bad inning. And so it, if you're just going to flat bench him on the road, I I think you're going to lose. I, th- I think you're going to lose out there. I think Justin Verlander is somebody you have to just keep starting. James Paxton pitched last night. Um, wrote about him before his start. He actually faced Verlander in that in, in that uh, Gerard Dyson game there. We'll call it that. Because I don't want to even say it was like a – was it a perfect game yet? or what, Had he had a walk? I don't know. But whatever. The, we'll call it a no-hit bid. Uh, I don't even want to call it that, though, because – wasn't even six full innings so i'll call it the gerard dyson game but paxton was going against him and i'd written about him right before that about how that i was a little bit concerned like not a little bit i was concerned because the fastball command was terrible coming off the dl um and the velocity wasn't there either so those were some concerns about james paxton that i was keeping an eye on and in that particular game the velocity was better which was very encouraging the command was still shaky but when your velocity's up you open up your margin for error and that's why he still had a a pretty solid outing there it wasn't it wasn't great but if you watched it you came away thinking okay this is a building block especially after getting your butt kicked in texas he went three and two-thirds gave up seven Uh, he goes five and a third gives up four three earned to the tigers with eight strikeouts So I I took away some positives from that. I was very eager to key in on him last night. That would be June 27th for anybody that's not listening to this when it comes out against Philly. And holy hell, was he great, Uh, especially early. First four, I think it was first four innings, the velocity and command were back. We were talking April Paxton at this point. It was excellent and it and they talked about on the broadcast some mechanical tweaks that he's been making about straightening out his arm and 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 always working since he got off the DL and that is very encouraging to me this wasn't something that he was just going to kind of you know keep status quo and think that it was going to fix itself he had to make changes the velocity was down and remember he took that James Paxton had that big velocity spike last year with some mechanical changes and they brought it brought both velocity and command and control that was that's unheard of you just usually make a change to get some more command or you usually make a change to get some more velocity you don't usually make that one change and get everything and that's what happened and it wasn't just one i I shouldn't say that like he just said hey i'll move one inch over on this side of the rubber and now i'm an ace but no the, the the changes that he had made the work that he had done paid off in in full man it was sexy and so big maple looking back uh i i feel i feel happy about about that start and i actually had my buddy message me uh, before the game and i think he said he was hang on let me look at this and i i, I mean i don't i don't, I don't want to say i feel bad because I, I i think the uh the thinking that i had let's see let's see here i'm, I'm pulling this up for you all sorry those of you that haven't listened to the solo, you know the solo is a little bit more a little bit more open, a little bit more of a slow pace here. Okay, he was offered Jimmy Nelson. Uh, he was offered Paxton for Jimmy Nelson and Wilson Contreras in a 12 team, 45 man, 30 keeper dynasty. And I said, I don't know, man. I'd like to see tonight. And I don't know if the deal's, you know, still gonna be there. But for me it was something where he's had a lot of health issues coming up you know that, that it, it's been a late bloom for paxton because of health and he hasn't been able to get out of the way uh, uh you know avoid the injury bug including this year he just got off the deal a little bit ago so i said you know let's see where he's at tonight and maybe you reassess i certainly think uh i certainly think i'm more interested in making that deal now um I don't. I still don't think it's like a a lockdown deal, but I I feel a lot more confident about where James Paxton is now, just after seeing that game and hearing that mechanical tweaks uh, are being made, and 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 there were some mechanical issues behind the struggles, as opposed to, you know, I'm still hurt or or whatever the case may have been. Um, I I think learning about James Paxton in that start yesterday has me feeling confident still a must start even even if he had even if he hadn't been great last night he was still a must start though Jamison Tyon and Michael Fulmer I think those are a couple names that people are like wait what um and I I kind of get it I guess they're maybe like a little bit jarring to to see those names on there because again not every must start is an automatic lockdown ace but Jamison Tyon simply hasn't been bad as a major leaguer Now it's only 155 innings total last year and this year combined. Uh, We're talking about, you know, three quarters of a season, Uh, maybe even more than, you know, 27 starts. Um, So for me, you got this guy. First off, what an amazing person. And generally speaking, there's a lot of good people in sports. And just being a good person doesn't make you a good player, right? Like... Detroit fans love Don Kelly. Don Kelly seems like a, a great dude. Like awesome. Jim Leland was obsessed with the dude. Didn't make him a great player. So I'm but with Jamison Tyne, I do think it is a little bit different. The adversity that this guy has gone through to conti- like just to just to get to last year. Gets Tommy John, recovers from that, pops a hernia in the midst of that recovery, misses another year, gets hit in the head, 105 mile per hour line drive. And look at the season he put up last year: 104 innings, 3.38 ERA. Well, then this year, okay, let's get out, let's get rolling. You're you're a top 35 starter. Everyone's psyched about you. Testicular cancer at age 25, or at least the threat of. I don't know if I think it was everything on you know the injury sites listed cancer. So I remember when it first came out, they said he might have it, uh, and that's what they're that's what they're doing the surgery for. But regardless of what it was, he went. I think it was to take out a, a tumor and 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 get that fixed. And he's already back. He's already back. This dude, man, adversity is all the hell that he's dealt with off the field. What the hell do the Cubs or the Cardinals or the Brewers have to offer him that he hasn't been through? What 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 can they put in his path that is going to challenge him more than the stuff he's dealt with just to get here? And that means something. I know it's an intangible. And I know it's something that you, you, you can't quantify and it doesn't inherently – you know, give him velocity or or give him extra strikeouts, but these are still people, man. And and a dude like that, I don't know, man. I, I got I got a lot of respect for what he does, and I, I do think that the the mental toughness, uh, I do think it plays a role. And so I do think that that kind of factoring it in matters here, because there are guys on the other end too, you know, um, that you'll say, hey, maybe he doesn't have the mental makeup that you want to be a front liner or something to that effect um there could be one on his team i'm just saying so uh jameson tyon a guy that when, when you ever going to bench him not a huge strikeout guy but does a lot right and i know the 134 whip isn't great this year but i'm not benching that guy anywhere ever uh michael fulmer same sort of deal and uh in terms of profile not in terms of adversity Michael Fulmer has thankfully not had to go. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It's amazing and great that Tyon has handled it so brilliantly, but you certainly don't wish that upon anybody. But uh, Michael Fulmer, same sort of like gamer, like workhorse, you know, those terms that we throw around, you you have the connotation. You know what it means. That guy that can get punched around for five runs in the first inning and still go seven, right? These two are showing that they're going to be that type. And it might not be a full-on ace, but it's gonna be it's gonna be damn close, and you know they look like they look like they could be the next peak Jordan Zimmermans of, of the league. Now I know it's hard to think about Jordan Zimmerman as uh, on the high end because when when we talk about that on a guy who's who's on the other end of his of his uh, spectrum here as Jordan Zimmerman is, you hear the name and you have that visceral reaction of dude, that's that's a five and a half ERA. That guy sucks. Okay, well, please indulge me and rewind back to 2011 through 2015 five seasons of a 314 era over 972 innings with a 113 whip um decent strikeout 7.3 nothing that's killing you but but excellent walks kept the ball in the yard hella good like tons of good starts tons of innings answering the bell every year 32 actually uh, the first one was 26 I believe that was his first year back from Tommy John then 32 32 32 33 starts for Jordan Zimmerman so that's what I see out of Fulmer and Tyon, as that they could be the next Jordan Zimmerman's uh in terms of that they're not they're not aces but they're like damn good twos I don't see any time where you're benching them next up is David Price and and Price probably belongs in that in that Verlander Arietta grouping there maybe all three of them should kind of be together as as the once bona fide you know guaranteed aces that you don't question one bit that you still can't really sit right now they're not giving you what you want but you know that any given outing uh, they have a higher than most probability to go out and put up a, a, a really good start um, because i know on any given start any pitcher can go out and dominate right we 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 see it all the time in uh, over the course of 162 but if you're if you're measuring the probability of like w- what's the likelihood of six plus innings and two or fewer runs prices Arrieta's, and verlanders are still quite high compared to say I don't know De Lamette Scott Feldman and jC Ramirez okay you know or or that I went way down let's say even. Brandon McCarthy, Jimmy Nelson, and Taiwan Walker, you know, whatever you want to say, like they still have that high probability. So right now his ERA uh, for David Price, 476, um, that's jarring because it feels so bad. But he's got a six-run outing at the Yankees, and then everything else is pretty much right around that quality start. He's got a couple five-inning three runs, so it's not that – quite that quality start he's kind of treading around that six and three right now and i know a 450 era is not going to win you your league title but but if you get a bunch of six and threes uh with with five to seven strikeouts from price while you kind of bide your time for the uh the seven shutout or or, or, or you know the big game that uh that we're hoping for that he can do i think you're going to be fine price is somebody that I'd actually look into maybe acquiring because i think the price uh, no, no pun intended. There's just no way to get around that. But uh, you know, you, you you might actually be able to fetch a little bit of a discount there, and I and I'd be interested in that. Robbie Ray, Michael Pineda, they're both here in the must start as well. Now, Robbie Ray is probably the 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 bigger surprise of the two. Although I've, I've been hard on both, I'm still not entirely sure on Robbie Ray. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. But at this point, when are you benching him? I know, you'd say home, right? Well, it's been pretty good at home the last couple starts. Now, one of them was against San Diego, and I know that that takes a lot of juice out of that. But uh, three starts in a row now at home, six and two-thirds, one run, six and two-thirds, no runs, six and a third, two runs, San Diego-Milwaukee-Philly. Not murderer's row, but he didn't beat anybody at home before that. So why are we going to discount him when he's beating up on teams that maybe aren't the highest of caliber. And by the way, Milwaukee, pretty solid. I know Philly and San Diego aren't scaring anybody, but, you know, Pittsburgh got him for four and four at home back on May 14th. The Giants got him earlier in the year, five and two thirds, three runs. Not That's not sexy. Um, so I'm not going to turn around and say, well, these don't count because the teams weren't good enough. He couldn't beat me and, and eight of you listening Uh, at home for a while there Robbie Ray couldn't so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just crap on him because the 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 opponents weren't excellent I see some improvement and I've been zoned in on him a lot lately I've been watching a lot of these starts I didn't see the the one home to Philly but I saw a lot of the San Diego a lot of the Milwaukee and a lot of the at Philly which is weird because he always been he's always been so good on the road and he gets on this run here of dominating and then goes to Philly goes five and a third four runs Like, okay come on you know, you're just trolling us, but, uh, you know, that, that happens. I don't even really s- sweat that, but it was kind of funny. And he bounced back against Philly at home. Um, right after that, again, six and a third, two runs, but he sped up his mechanics. Now a lot of times you see guys slowing down, they're going too fast and they need to slow down. He's gone the other way. Maybe he's a little bit too slow and, and that can get you off rhythm too. You you can go both ways with it. Uh, like I said, I think it is more common to slow down, but he's sped up. They've shown it. They showed it on the telecast, and I think that's something that that is contributing to uh, to to some of his success and, and to being able to match what he's doing on 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 the road because he was already showing a lot of quality on the road. Like he was a. a bonafide stud on the road but he'd come home and he'd struggle with it and some of it is the environment of course that's a difficult ballpark to pitch in Uh, and he does still have robbie ray uh, a really high hard contact rate which does leave me a little bit sketchy when the dude misses they still club it like he doesn't miss barrels As much as I think he should for the stuff that he shows 30%, 31% strikeout rate, 14% swinging strike rate, you know, sits 94, 95 from the left side. It is a little bit uneasy that he still has such a high, hard contact rate. And this has been a problem forever. And this year it's the worst it's been. It's so weird. 35, 35, 37, 41. So that, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer there. And I know some of you are probably still some Robbie Ray skeptics, although a lot of you believe because you, you're running me up every time he has a good good outing when I'm talking mess about him. So I know a lot of you believe. I just don't see how you bench him right now. And, and you know, 287 ERA, um, 117 whip. A lot of it's the environment we're in, for sure, because – how the hell could you possibly feel confident benching a guy like that, even at home, where he does still have the the stark home road ERA, but he still he still has eleven point five strikeouts at home, fifty nine and forty six in the third innings. So even if you got the crummy ERA, which is a, you know essentially a a baseline quality start, six innings, three runs uh, for his ERA, there he's four forty seven. Um, even if that's all you got, you still get the strikeouts and you take all the uh, road starts, like. I just don't see. I just don't see giving up those innings. Uh, you you take the chance that you're going to get one of the good home starts with Robbie Ray. At least at least I will. All right. Then you have Michael Pineda. Um, you know, I, I was I was I was kind of grouping these two together in in the preseason, and it wasn't like there's a lot of differences between them. First off, right left. Um, Pineda has has control, but but not command. Uh, Ray doesn't re- didn't really have either, in my opinion, uh, but they had their flaws. I was I was grouping them on a real base level of they show a lot of good starts, but their blowups are so bad that they're infuriating as hell. <laughs> That's how I had Robbie Ray and and Michael Pineda grouped. They were the ALNL uh, annoyance annoying version of of one another. Well, Ray's pulled away. And Pineda's done his damn thing. He's done exactly. Now, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. What about you guys? And you know I was. Like, this is not, I'm not, like, calling this after the fact, after he's had three bad starts in June. This is what, this is, this is Pineda. This is Pineda. Nothing changed. The first time I rated him when I did these tiers uh, last month and I put him in the must start, there was a comment about, oh, you've changed your tune on Panita No, I have not. And no, I hadn't either. Back when uh, he had like a th- mid three ZRA bunch of strikeouts, you know, hadn't really had the big blow up start outside of his, his season debut yet. I had not changed my tune though, but again. The pitching and the, the the run scoring environment that we're in. When are you sitting this guy? Because because there's never been rhyme or reason to his struggles. He's not a home only guy. He's not a road only guy. Um. Maybe there's some some right lefty to it a little bit because he is a bit of two pitch pitcher. But it's not a good team bad team thing. Like there there was just nothing. So, despite the fact that I I literally had not changed my tune at all, I I did raise him in the rankings because the strikeouts, the the support that uh, of this team that he was on and the fact that he had been pitching pretty damn well, I didn't see any way you could bench him and I actually still don't. Despite the fact that he's been a lot more Piñata-y uh Michael Piñata shouts to uh Chris Liss for that for that nickname. I got to get Baseball Reference to put that up. I, I wonder if they would. It's pretty mean, but it would be funny. Um, they put the little nicknames up for guys that, that have kind of acknowledged nicknames. I would not go up to Pineda and tell him that's his nickname, though. No. I'm 6'5", but he's 6'7", and he's 260, which is like 90 pounds more than me. Um, and plus, I just wouldn't go, like, I don't know, crap talk some dude to their... I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe I'd say, well, wait. Why do you get, why, why, why are you such a pinata, dude? And then he would be like, oh, you want to see a pinata? And then he would beat me like one and it would come full circle. And then candy would come out of my stomach after I get uh, obliterated by Michael Pinata. Anyway, it's not about whether or not I would, uh, I would call him pinata or excuse me, pinata to his face. This is about Michael Pineda doing Michael Pineda things. Here's the thing. The reason the, the, the one reason this is all I needed to know to not change my tune on him one percent said he's still giving up home runs like crazy even when he was pitching well even when he was pitching well through the first nine starts he had a 335 era in 53 and two-thirds innings with 61 strikeouts nine walks Ooh, that's so nice that's so pineda e 1.8 homers now a lot of them were solo shots because you're not putting anybody on base but unless there were changes that were bringing down the uh, batting average on balls in play and subsequently the hits, uh, unless there were like s- stark approach changes, which I could find none, then this was just a, a matter of time, really. And yet, all this trash talk—I—I st- I, I still can't see benching him. I can't. Okay, maybe at Toronto to start the season or to start the month you would have wanted to bench. Well, first off, before he actually had the first bad start, I, I can't really see anybody benching him even at Toronto. It's not like they're as imposing as they've been. I think they're usually tough run lefties anyway because a lot of their strength comes from the right side. Uh, but he goes five innings, ten hits, five runs, only one strikeout. That was the surprising part of that game. He just didn't have his stuff there. Pineda didn't. Um, okay, so you get that. You get that. That's the first shoe to drop. Would that have scared you off from starting him against Boston? Whoops. You made a bad move. Seven innings, one run unearned, four hits, eight strikeouts. Okay, well, he's back. I feel good now. And he's like, oh, he's going out to LA. This is great. He's going to start against the Angels. They don't even have Mike Trout. I'm so excited to start him. Six innings, 10 hits, five runs. You're an idiot. Two strikeouts. Way to go. You got Pineda again. Well, I'll tell you what. That Angels team just put a hurting on him. And they get to see him again five days later in the Bronx. I think I'll go ahead and bench him. Eh, You're stupid idiot again. Five and two-thirds, three runs, only one of them earned, seven strikeouts, one walk. Way to go, dummy. Now, the only one, the only one, after seeing all that, after, after seeing this, this topsy-turvy back-and-forth June of five earned, zero earned, five earned, one earned, I could see benching him against Texas even at home where he's been better this year and and ding 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 ding, you, you, you done did it four innings seven runs three homers um but going forward what are you gonna do man what are you gonna do there might be some spots. Maybe maybe I got to put him in the usually start. And I did get a comment on this one, and I will bring this guy up since we are, we are still in the must start. But I will bring in a usually start guy. I'll bring in his teammate, Luis Severino. I find these two to be very similar to one another uh, in terms of their overall talent, their stuff. Severino's the better version right now, though, for sure. He's pitching brilliantly. I could see flipping them. I will fully agree with that. I think somebody even commented on that saying directly that let me let me see if i can find it here hang on severino um where'd that go oh yeah well this guy was i mean it was a stupid comment but I understood a little bit of it. Sorry, I stopped reading when I saw Pineda as must start and Severino as usually start. This is just incorrect. Any Yankee fan would rather have Severino going than Pineda, and I think it's probably true for fantasy as well. Flip-flop those two. You didn't have to stop reading because you disagreed with one of them. Nevertheless, uh, point taken, and yet at the same time, they're five spots apart. And I tell you guys not to get too hung up on the actual numbers. But if you are going to get that hung up on them, then you need to understand that 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 you know five to eight spots, it's just not that much. It's just not. Now the spots do matter maybe a little bit more at the high end, but I really focus on the tiers. And so okay, if you want if you want to flop them and put Severino as a guy that you're not benching anywhere right now, and Pineda someone that you might be a little bit more questioning with if he goes uh you know if he goes into boston or he gets asked to face texas again particularly in texas or um you know i'm trying to think what are the good offenses in the american league right now because the, the first ones i i thought of were all national league and i could say yeah well if he gets if he gets interleague against washington yeah sure but that's not a great example because it's it's just less likely let me see the, the good offenses in the american league right now Oh, if he faces the Yankees, you don't want to... No, I'm kidding. Oh, the Astros, duh, duh. So Astros, you want to be careful with. Uh, Cleveland, I think, is a team that 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 you you want to be you want to be smart about. Um, but yeah, I, I understand if 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 there are some spots where you might start, it uh, might sit Pineda now, and maybe he's more of a usually start Severino. I mean, prospect growth is not linear. Prospect growth is not linear prospect growth is not linear just because he had like especially because with with severino specifically that first season was such a little tease that 62 and a third innings that 289 era just jumps off the page and says hey look at me i'm 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 awesome aren't i uh even the 120 whip catches your eye and you're like okay okay maybe the era should have been a little bit higher but uh i can deal with that combo but then the home runs, it was 1.3, and it was like, ooh, that, that is a little bit dangerous. And he was 21, and it re- everything came to a head last year. So he wasn't as good as the, the 15, 289 ERA, and he wasn't as bad as the 583 last year. But either way, he should have been judged on the merits of the stuff. He's a 23-year-old. I should have been more in on Luis Severino this year. It's easy to say now, but even 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 if he was like a 410 ERA guy right now, a full run higher than, than Luis Severino is – just the process alone, I shouldn't have missed so badly on Severino. I just wasn't really giving him the time of day, thinking that okay, he's automatically going to need more growth. No, you know, you don't get too hyped on 15, but you don't get too down on 16, and you kind of maybe stay at square one where you say super talented arm, has the stuff, um, and 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 can develop. But either way we're here now he's great he's been tremendous there's no there's no spots where where you're actually benching him so i would say an adjustment that i'll make i'm not going to make it on the site but just with just with y'all here listening that uh, severino is a must start and if you want to just flip him and michael Pineda, i'm down with that let's let's go ahead and do that all right next up is marcus stroman garrett cole and jose quintana now these are three other names in the in the must start that probably raise eyebrows because you just don't think of them as aces. And again, I get it. That's not the point, though. That's not entirely the point. The point is, when you're going to bench them. They've shown enough throughout their careers, uh, uh, success-wise, and they have enough talent. They have enough pedigree. They have all the ingredients to where you just have to you have to start them. You have to. Um, Quintana, it was bad earlier this year. I'll start with Quintana. It It was bad earlier this year, but there was nothing, even as bad as it got, there was nothing in the profile that said this guy's done or he's as bad as these numbers suggest. That was the real interesting thing about Quintana is that even as he was meandering through, like, okay, so what happened was two really ugly starts in April, his debut against Tigers, six earned, Uh, Two starts later at Minnesota, five earned. But then he went six in the third, two, six, three, six, one in in the rest of the month. But he ends with a 522, and you see that 522, and it punches you. And you're like, damn. And then he opens with eight shutout uh, in May for Jose Quintana. Five innings, four at Baltimore. Not great. Uh, Seven, three, eight, one. So you're still seeing more good. Finally gets under four as ERA, Quintana does, but then has to take a trip to Arizona, and that is tough, you don't want guys going to Arizona, it's not quite course, but it is really difficult, and you want, you want to avoid it where you can, um, Quintana at that point might have been somebody that you could do it with, Pete Quintana I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have if I had him anywhere this year anyway, because I just... I never looked, and I only watched probably two of these starts uh, in these first nine when he had a three ninety two ERA. I probably only watched two of them: one one good, one bad. I definitely watched the Tigers one, and um, I saw a lot of the the KC eight eight scoreless. He just didn't look like there was really anything wrong or different. This was a guy that you just stay the course with. Jose Quintana is. Well, he goes in Arizona four and a third, eight runs, and then follows it up with two and two thirds, seven runs against Baltimore. It's like, whew, whew. now that's tough. That's tough to swallow, especially back to back. When they come back to back, I think it's what re- really scares people. That's when people are like, really, oh, dang it. You know, if they even if they were split by, you know, uh, a six inning one run outing, it'd be easier to deal with. But it wasn't. They were back-to-back, so 15 runs in seven innings. Shoots the ERA back up to 560. And yet, even with that, in the Arizona game, you had seven strikeouts, zero walks. In the Boston game, four strikeouts, zero walks. So you had 12 strikeouts, zero walks, but 18 hits and four homers. I mean that's some bad luck right there. Like you got, you got to dig in on those games and see that. Yeah. They're, they're terrible. They were terrible games. There's no two ways around it, but the, the um, Arizona game came unraveled in the last inning where he allowed five hits, six runs to that point. In fact, he'd thrown three, three, no hit innings gets knocked around a little bit in the fourth, three hits, two runs, but then gets pummeled in the fifth. So things just kind of fell apart, but I always look at the game log and I always look at the the makeup of a start to kind of see where it was. Now there's no justification on the Boston start. He just didn't have it face caved in. You move on. But that Arizona start isn't even as bad as, as the the bottom line numbers make you think. So I just staying the course with somebody like Quintana. You just got to keep running him out there and, and trust that it's going to get back. He's, he's very much likely not hurt. Again, this is the mindset coming into say June, if they're going to keep running him out there, he's very much likely not hurt. It's a lot harder for guys to hide injuries these days. First off, a lot of them don't. They just accept, okay, I'm hurt. Instead of tanking my numbers, I'm going to go ahead and hit the DL. Some do play through stuff, and you'll hear at the end of the year, yeah, I had this uh, through June and July, and that's why I put up a, a six ERA, and then it got better in August, and I closed with a three or whatever. Um So maybe, maybe he had some tweaks or whatever, but it wasn't a situation where they were noticing it. You know, these catchers and the, and these trainers, I'm so impressed with how they can notice the littlest thing on their guy and say, no, let's get him out. The catchers, man, that, that do the best are, are the ones that are just on it. And I, I, always impressed because you'll watch the pitch where they where they haven't come out and You're like there was nothing different in that like that i don't perceive it at all and maybe that's just a flaw on me maybe doug thorburn sees it immediately and he's like oh yeah hell yeah get him out but uh the fact is with quintana i just didn't see anything that said danger outside of the bottom line numbers were rough but nothing else had me freaking out so i was just staying the course uh and, and, and saying just keep keep starting him and it's paid off. June's been huge for him. Thirty and a third innings, thirty strikeouts, 178 ERA. Twelve walks is a little high, but it's a lot less uh, problematic when you have 21 hits allowed. So not allowing the hits in exchange for some walks, I'll take that, right? Um, and then I, I I commented about his June numbers on Twitter, and somebody who I was I guess I would assume is a White Sox fan because he seemed to have some pretty intimate knowledge said that uh, throughout these starts he's been avoiding like. Giving up a walk to avoid trouble and get back in at the next guy, like something that I think Michael Pineda could could uh, could use in his arsenal is to say, "Listen, I'll walk this guy on a three-one count and restart with the next guy. Yeah, I'll have two on, okay, but it's two on two outs, and I've got good stuff. Like face the next guy. Don't just cherry, just don't just throw a cherry down the middle and and let them club you." and um so yeah i i that's what i heard um just, that's some anecdotal i have not watched any of these june starts i'm not even gonna front on y'all i've not watched any of them for quintana but i just i never really lost confidence and i think he's a guy you can continue to start and with a 437 era there's a chance that somebody will look at this as, as like a sell sell high opportunity sell high meaning he's on a run i want to get out from under this not sell high in terms of his his bottom line numbers if somebody's looking to sell Quintana, I'm buying because he's probably going to get traded. And that's always, you never know on that, right? It could go sideways. Sometimes guys get traded and they don't really fit. Other guys get traded and take off. I'll take my chances though. This pitching environment, give me somebody who's got four straight seasons of 200 plus with a mid threes ERA. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this Quintana train for sure. And then Garrett Cole and Marcus Stroman, You know, Garrett Cole is somebody that, man, I mean, if you just put his stuff, anybody would want his stuff. Anybody. Even guys with great stuff would probably still trade their arsenal for his. 95-mile-per-hour fastball, deep secondary stuff, three secondaries. He's got all the pitches. Um, You know, can cut and sink his fastball, slider, curve, change. Using the change a lot more this year. Um, uh, but I still, you know, the one thing I do like, I will say this, and and so maybe I was wrong in previous years, I don't know. Because one thing I was always saying is use your secondary stuff more. Yeah, you have a great fastball, and fastball can can win constantly, but I, I think your secondary stuff would, would send your your um your strikeout rate right through the roof. Uh, because you know, it was 19 last year, and even in his good years, 24 24 percent, uh, in in 14 and 15. That's good. No one's no one's crying about a strikeout per inning but he strikes me garrett cole does with his stuff as somebody who should be striking out you know more than a batter per inning pushing double digits because he's got that kind of stuff and i thought maybe he was a little bit fastball dependent and so this year he's down to a career low 59 percent and things are kind of the same so maybe i had that wrong Uh, but the home runs are through the roof for him for the first time ever Uh, you can add up his his homer per nine like the last two years and it's lower than what he has this year. In fact, I think you can add up. Let me see if this is correct. Okay. Not quite. I was going to say, I think you can add up his last three years and it's not as high as his one, 1. 1.6 this year. But uh, if you add up his last three years for Garrett Cole, it's 1.74 and this year it's one five nine. But the the fact of it is the home runs are through the roof. I think some of that's bad luck. An 18% homer to fly ball ratio with no change, no discernible change in his batted ball profile. fly ball rate last year to 33% this year. That, okay, that's up a little, but not to the level where I'm like, uh, you should be having a a 12 percentage point spike in your homer to fly ball ratio. This is still a profile I'm buying. This is still a a starter that I, I don't ever feel like I can bench. Garrett Cole, you just stay the course here. I'd be buying Uh, that's all I got to say. The stuff's too good. I don't know that he's ever going to be what his, his stuff might portend he should be. Um, You know, I I don't know that he's ever going to fully be uh, what a one, one pick maybe should be, or, or, or what, what they're projected to be when, when they're taken one, one, but um, I'm, I'm sticking with Garrett Cole for sure. Marcus Stroman's a guy, no, not on that same level by any stretch, but a guy that we we've seen pretty much successful throughout right he's had ups and downs he had a 437 ERA last year don't get me wrong there were some downs but when he's on he's so good and another guy that that just continues to work like when things are off you know he's not just going to going to ride it out and 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 not try to fix it And, you know, he got he got clubbed in his last outing. Like this would be a much easier. Like I wouldn't even have to really talk about him being a must start before his last outing. But he went to Texas, gave up seven runs in four innings. And so now all of a sudden he has a 369 ERA um, after having a 315 coming into that outing. So I'm not even going to dive deep here. Like Marcus Stroman, you're starting everywhere. That's it. That's it. And that's all. Uh, okay, let's move on to the usually starts. Now, these are guys that you, you make some decisions on maybe here and there. They're, for the most part, they're still must starts. I think a lot of a lot of the the tweaking can be done in ten and twelve team leagues. I still think in fifteen team leagues, the the overwhelming majority of this group is is a um, is a must start for sure. But go, let's go ahead and start uh, with the top of this group. All right, Jeff Smarge actually leads off this uh, this usually start tier, and he's been having a really fantastic season. When you when you look at it on the whole, in fact, uh, so I made I made uh, custom leaderboards with with each grouping, the must starts, the usually starts, and the spot starts. I didn't do it for the for the could starts, but anyway, I you know took those groups. K minus BB. If you're gonna use one metric, first off, never just use one. Never. That's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Maybe you're pressed for time. And you say, I got to just use one metric. K minus BB is going to get you a lot of places, uh, at least as a starting point. And if you look at it, strikeout minus walk ratio, uh, Jeff Smart is the top in his group. And it's even more impressive with his 24% mark, 27% strikeout rate, 3% walk rate. Tops in his group with 105 innings pitched. The next guy's 25 and two thirds for Jacob Faria, 23%. Uh, 44 and two thirds for both Peacock and Happ, and they're both at 22%. Uh, Severino's up there, 22% with 94 innings. Nobody, the next guy with 100 plus innings is all the way down at Gio Gonzalez at 12%. In fact, uh, Jeff Samarjas, K minus BB at 24% right now, would be fifth among the must starts. So you know, I, I think the reason I put him in the usually start, and and like he's right there at the top. He's right there, is because uh, he could still go to Colorado again. Actually, I don't know if that's true. I should have looked it up, because um, I could have, if if they're done going to Colorado, then maybe I say just go ahead and must start him, because he's been to Colorado twice this year, and I think he had a decent track record coming into the season. But I don't know, man. I think even a guy who would have like. Upwards of like seven to ten quality starts in Colorado. I would still be skeptical of them going into Colorado in any given start, even a guy who's who's pretty damn good like uh, like Jeff Samarja. But anyway, seven runs and eight runs and two starts in Colorado this year, but everything else is has been pretty solid. You look at the bottom line there. Actually, let's let's do this. Let's let's do the game. Let's do the game that you know when you and I talk about this. The whole, uh, you know, removing starts from a thing. You have to see, like, are, are they legitimate starts? Could you could you realistically remove these starts? Uh, you can't just take every bad every bad start and say, "Oh, hey, I'm going to take that one out because because it was bad." <laughs> like, it just doesn't work that way. So, okay, if we take out those two starts, the two Colorado starts for Jeff Samarja, Uh, You got him down from a 463 ERA to a 373. So nearly a run off of his ERA. So he hasn't been elite outside of it. I don't want to overstate it. But he's been damn good. And so the bottom line is that his 463 is not indicative of the pitcher that he's been. At the same time, though, another reason that he's kind of a a usually start over over must start is he doesn't get very good support. Um, So you're not necessarily going to get those dubs. And if you're chasing dubs head-to-head league or something like that there are some scenarios where i could see you bench him but right now man he's just been on one uh i have a hard time taking him off the off the lineup or out of the lineup excuse me uh, outside of a trip to colorado in fact if you look at it his last uh nine starts three zero three three one three eight that's the colorado start three two those are his those are his earned runs allowed for jeff Marger. so he's been really good uh you definitely like him. I talked about Luis Severino, shamanaya Luis Severino. Yeah. I, I talked, I already talked about Severino in the context of teammate Pineda. I've actually been been kind of grouping Severino and Mania together a little bit in my brain, uh, just more for like the young breakout and this factor, which I think has already changed because of an off day. They were pitching on the same schedule for a while, and so I don't know. I just like I guess when that happens, at least for me, like three or four times, inclu- including including. Uh, and a, a matchup against each other, I believe. Um, I don't know. I start to pair them. They're both just young. Uh, Severino 23, manaya 25, really high upside guys who are really pushing through this year. Not flawless. They still show you, you know, the the, the trouble that you can run into but there aren't many scenarios where i'm benching these guys keep in mind for those of you deep leaguers and i know a lot of you guys do play in deeper leagues 15 plus teams al nl only um that sort of stuff the usually starts are basically must starts they, they they really are almost every single one of these guys in a 15 team league is somebody that that i'm playing um outside of the extenuating circumstance, a trip to Coors or something like that. Cause you know, even somebody like Manaya right? You're trying to pick out those spots where, where you want to avoid him. Well, you don't want anyone against Houston, right? Okay. Well then you missed a five inning, no hit ball uh, where he allowed two runs. One of them earned, he walked five. That's how he allowed the runs. Um, And then you missed six and three. So a baseline quality start and then five and two thirds and one. So, you know, a, a talent like this, Sean Maniah, who I'm talking about here, I have a hard time finding spots where I'm not playing this guy. And that's why he's so high. Now, if he falls on some hard times, we assess. That, this is another reason that we're doing this by four to six week groupings, because right at this point, you're just not really putting Maniah on your bench. Uh, you know, Severino, again, I already talked about. Uh, I do think he, I do think I would make that switch, uh, put him in the must start and, and move Pineda down here to, uh, to where Manaya is. But, um, you know, these young guys, man, when, when they're, when they're clicking like this, you just gotta, They're they're going to hit bumps because they're young guys. So let me just add in Jose Barrios. Who's next, where are you benching this guy? I'm really, really excited about what, what Jose Barrios is doing. The one thing that I kept reiterating, and, and if you've a long time listener or, uh, you know, Twitter follower or coming to my Twitch streams or anything, you've heard me say it a million times, but I'm going to keep repeating it. The reason I stayed the course and, and remained very excited about Jose Barrios is because even in the midst of the 14 disastrous outings that he had last year, I mean, they were pretty much all trash. You don't, you don't really fake your way to an 802 ERA. Like he just could not really find it. I think he had a couple quality starts. In fact, one. He had one quality start last year in those 14 starts. But the reason that I stayed the course and I wasn't even really that deterred by by that horrible run was because he was still dominating in the minors. It wasn't just a flat lost season it was some struggles in the major leagues. I think there were some pitch tipping issues, which you start to extend out and maybe say some nerve sort of deal, just kind of getting your footing at the major league level. And it goes back to what we were saying about Luis Severino. Prospect growth is not linear. Now, keep that in mind long-term too. Jose Barrios can go ahead, finish out this season kind of on his same trajectory and maybe finish with, I don't know, a 330 ERA for 150 innings, and we would still have to understand that he's not a guarantee in 18, right? Because he'll only be 24. He'll have about 200 innings under his belt, and prospect growth isn't linear. That said, this is not a case to say, well, you know, don't buy in or or, or trade him or anything like that. No, I love this guy. I love this guy long term. I'm a huge fan. I certainly would not be surprised. If he did move in linear fashion and just continue to get better, or or stays at this level and just continues to have success, I'm just saying, even with a great season, he's not a guarantee. Um, so again, I I don't want to sound like I'm fence sitting. Absolutely love Barrios, buying him anywhere. Huge fan. He's a stud. You're starting him in 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 virtually every scenario right now. Have a hard time finding spots where you're not. And if you get a chance, I really encourage you to sit down and watch him. Uh, very, very impressive stuff. The wiggle on his stuff. Even the wiggle on his fastball uh, when it, when it's at its best is, is really impressive. The strikeouts are really starting to come through now. He's got a strikeout per inning. The walks are down. Whew. Man, we this guy's special. He, he really is uh, Aaron Nola Brandon McCarthy Marco Estrada Gio Gonzalez is, is the next little grouping there um Estrada stands out as like the healthy one there uh, actually uh, Estrada and Gio pardon me pardon me so it, it, it's it's interesting here right we got two guys that that have the talent but can't stay on the field and then two guys who maybe aren't as overwhelmingly talented from like a stuff standpoint but they just get the job done consistently. And so that would be Gio and Mark uh, and and Estrada, Gio Gonzalez, Marco Estrada on the, you know, make the most of what they have and, and answer the bell every five days versus Nola and McCarthy who have brighter upside, especially at their peak, but have dealt with a lot of health issues, particularly McCarthy. I mean, Nola, Nola, you need about 62 more DL stints to catch up to McCarthy. And I'm not, I'm not clowning on McCarthy, man. He just, his body has not cooperated in fact he's on the dl right now i think um he had a really bad outing and he was throwing the ball all over the place uh like some really almost like yips sort of deal um is only one outing and this could i mentioned it earlier about the dodgers playing some games with the dl i could see this as a let's give him a breather sort of deal actually let me look it up before i say that they're like, no, idiot. He has a freaking ruptured arm or something. What? What is the deal? Oh, right knee tendonitis. Yeah. I mean, you guys can't see it, but I'm making like a really face. It's not very conducive to podcasting to make faces that you guys have to read, but that's what I'm doing. I'm like, really? Did he have to go on the DL? Probably not. But uh, stay the course with McCarthy. Throw him on your DL. Uh, he's been pitching really well outside of that start and, and one other where he got in San Francisco. He got knocked around, but he's he's quietly been really good. I think it'll be a minimum stay or very close to with Nola. I can't figure him out, man. And, it, and it, it's a little bit maddening. I'm not going to lie because I just don't know what to make of him. But at, so with that in mind, for me, I'm just going to use him because I mean, I, I, I can't figure, maybe that sounds weird, but like he's really good. We know that when he's on, he's like really good. So with that in mind, you know, I can't pick the spots. I got to trust that they're running him out there when he's healthy. I'm just going to roll with it. And then you look at the month as a whole. He has the one bad outing um, Earn runs wise with five in, in arizona but that was three of those came in the seventh inning when he didn't get an out and i don't even know if the bullpen was part of that or if they were all on him it was three hits three runs but i could i could see since he didn't get an out in the seventh actually i am just look it up let's do it man we're already committed to going long on this one so let's take a look at this seventh inning all right what did you do arizona you came in he got a single, home run. Okay, so those th- those are on him. Okay, the bullpen allowed one of them. So he goes single homer single and then Nishek allowed the single to score. Um so yeah, it was on Nola. It's bad. It's a tough start. And uh, you know I'm not going to sit here and tell you a 5 earned run in 6 innings is a good start, but I don't want to exaggerate how bad it is either, man. I mean, anytime you go 6 innings, you get 6 strikeouts the earned runs matter, but that's just the ebbs and flows of a season, man. I gotta say, um, I I kind of overestimated the 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 quote unquote struggles that Nola was having. I think I carried over some of last year with me, and now I'm looking at this game log and I'm like, well, f- first off, it doesn't change my ranking because I'm happy with where I put him, and I guess I'm glad I put him there because, um. I, I had a perception of 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 worse. And I think you know what I think it was, it was based off of his ERA bumped up to four seventy-six after that Arizona start, but he's gone seven and a third, one run, and seven innings, two runs just yesterday at Seattle. Aaron Nola has to bring it all the way down to four thirteen. But either way, you look at it, he has two five earn run outings. They're both six innings, one against Cincinnati and the and then the one against Arizona. By the way, that was home to Arizona. I think I said at Arizona, but uh, the Arizona team in general, it, you don't want to mess with that lineup. Um, you know, I would have started him there, though. I'm, I, I say you don't want to mess with it in that it's scary. Not that I would sit guys like Nola or or guys in this usually start tier against them. So uh, Estrada, I think I should say something about him because he has been struggling uh, with, you know, his results have been have been poor of late because his ERA is up to yeah 489 right now. But you look at it, the strikeouts are actually way up. The walk rate is is down a bit, and the home runs are up a, a, a little. Like he's always been a home run guy, so I'm not surprised. You know, they're having home run issues. The real issues, hits are starting to fall in. Babbitt, uh, you know, contact management has been something that Marco Estrada has excelled at. He's sixth in this group among uh, strikeout minus walk ratio. So the skill, the base skills are there 12% swinging strike rates, a career high. The BABIP's up to 333, a career worst. Like, he's probably not a true talent. 216, 234, which he's done the last two years. Duh, but he's not a 333 either. He's a career 263. I'm buying on Marco Estrada. I don't see, I don't see anything that says I have to run away here. I see three awful starts in four. Honestly, four pretty crummy ones in a row even if you even if you take the oakland one five and two-thirds seven hits four runs like that's not good but it's, it wasn't nearly as bad as three and two-thirds seven three and a third six three and two-thirds six so he went through a hell of a, a stretch here to start the uh, the month those four starts but he just bounced back against kc seven innings five hits three runs six punch outs he had a 315 era coming into the month that's marco estrada i'm talking about uh, i'm jumping in man if, if someone's thinks that the, the, the shoe has dropped and and the Marco Estrada over the last couple of years is gone. I don't think so, Tim. I'm jumping in. You know, m- maybe he's more 370 than 350 or, th- you know, he had 313 back in 2015. Okay, fine, I accept that. I accept that maybe he's a seven and a half hits per nine guy, but he's at 9.7 right now based on, uh, based on the craziness uh, of this month of June. So let me get on, uh, let me get a strata shares where I can, especially if they're coming at a discount, Steven Matz, Jake Odorizzi, Zach Godley, Jay Happ, a little grouping here, Mats, you know, the skills aren't there right now. He's just, I mean, his season has just started. So he's got a leash for me. He's shown enough skills that um, it's going to take more than three starts of uninspired numbers: six point three strikeouts, two point seven walks, two point three homers. I'm unfazed. You know, uh, it, first off, the results have actually been good despite the kind of blah um, numbers, right? And, and in fact, the walk rate it's built on one start. He walked five Dodgers. He'd walked one in his first 14 innings. So I don't know. I'm not going to parse three starts here. Steven Matz is an easy start when he's healthy. Um, Almost, almost a must start at this point. Jake Otorizzi is one of those guys. I actually had him in the must start tier and I moved him down here. Uh, He's, you know, he's still right in, right in shouting distance of that range. For me, he kind of crystallized what I was trying to get at with the, with the must start tier because when you get a guy like jay goderesi on your team you're looking for 180 innings of what uh, like uh, the innings like the, that's what you're looking for the volume like you kind of know what you're going to get you're going to get a high 3s um you know that's kind of what you're what you're working from start it start at 375 and then your your range of outcomes are you know look at his ERAs the last 3 years 3 413 335 369 Okay, so that's a true, t- that's a 370 true talent, and it can go as low as 335 and as high as 413. Well, you'll take a 413 right now, and he's at four, so maybe I shouldn't have even moved him down. The one, the reason I did though was the the home runs, uh, just a little bit, little bit on the command. Um, he has one homer free outing, and three of his outings this month for Jake Odorizzi I have multiple homers, so that is why I moved him down. But the fact of it is. I'm just starting like I'm starting this guy. I I don't I personally on my rosters, I don't have enough talent, um, pitching talent that I can sit a guy like this with, with confidence. So that that that's how he made the must start was I know what to expect. I I know what I'm getting. I, I bought in on on 180 innings of a 370. Okay, and so that's what I'm hoping to get. And you know, there, there will be a range of outcomes there. I think, I think something that we really need to be better about acknowledging is range of outcomes. I think we pay it lip service at times. We being the, the 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 general, the general fantasy baseball community here. Like, you hear it acknowledged, but then you also hear guys crapped on for being at the at the low end of their range. Well, which is it? You know. I mean, if you're going to acknowledge that the range of outcome for for a, a true talent 370 guy can be upwards of 420, well, then don't don't freak out when he's 420, 430. Like, I don't know. I think when you look at it, when you look at ERA, the numbers can be jarring at times, but you have to you have to deconstruct it. So Jake Odorizzi, I'm 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 standing by. No, no big deal there. Um, Zach Godley is a guy I really I really like a lot. I like uh, some of the improvements that he's made. You know what he's really doing. Um, Hang on. Who was I going to compare? Oh, he's kind of, well, no, no, I don't want to go there. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you all what it was. What I will say though, is he's always had some good swinging strike rates that you would say, Hey man, maybe this guy can get some more strikeouts. 11% 11% and 12% the last two years, despite only a 23 and 18% strikeout rates. Well, 23% is pretty good. But the, the 18% last year up with a 12% swinging strike rate, you're like, hmm, you could probably get more strikeouts, dude. Well, he's amped up his velocity this year. He's got a 24% strikeout rate, which I really like, and a 14% swinging strike rate. So he could still even get more, even though he's had a career high 24%. Now that all depends on, on sequencing and things and kind of how things go with regard to, um, when the at-bats end, he also has that Godley has a 60% ground ball rate. So if he's not really getting to the point of put away pitches, you know, he gets, he gets a swing and a miss on, on the first and third pitch. So it's, it's one, two, but then on the fourth pitch, it's a ground ball dribbler to second base, easy out. Okay. Well, maybe it would have turned into a strikeout, but instead he induced a a, a weak ground ball, and, and we're out of the inning. So I really like what Zach Godley's doing. You know, not a high pedigree guy. He's a 27-year-old. I understand a little bit of skepticism with him, but I'm riding it out right now with Zach Godley. Uh, Jay Happ, recently back from the DL, showing uh, showing out pretty well right now you know, kind of finding his footing. He really showed me something last year. You know, he, he was great in, in Pittsburgh, right? We saw that big breakout, and then he comes back to Toronto, and I was a little bit worried. I was like, well, I don't know, man, you know. Hopefully he brings what he learned from Pittsburgh into Toronto, but he's still going from Pittsburgh to Toronto. That's, that's tough. Well, he ended up having a great year. In fact, I think it was a career best year if you if you look at it by, uh well, nah, not quite, not quite. By ERA+, plus, Not no, but if you... If you give credence to the fact that he had 30 more innings than his 2009 season when he put up a 2.93 ERA, is like 166 innings of a 2.93 versus 195 of a 3.18. Bottom line is it was an excellent season. It was his best uh, full season, we'll say, his best 30 plus start season for J. Happ, and he's not quite there yet this year. But uh, his walk rate, uh, strikeout walk rates, are actually more in line with what we saw in Pittsburgh. Um nine point nine strikeouts and one point four walks. He had nine point eight and one point eight respectively in Pittsburgh. But the home runs are a little bit high right now. One point six. It's only been eight starts. I'm not sweating it. Uh you might see J Hap on some waiver wires, which is crazy. That's for you shallow leaguers. Maybe. A few here and like I was looking at some some, uh roster rates for him and they were they were lower than I thought they should be. I'd go out and scoop J Hap for sure. I would take him in a trade, not as a centerpiece. I'm like I'm not Dying to go out and get him. I mean he's only on fifty-seven percent of ESPN leagues. That seems crazy to me, man. Are there really that many guys better than 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 J Hap that he should only be on just over half? I understand that they their their standard league is a little bit smaller, but nah man, I don't think so, Tim. Let, let me get on that J Half train for sure. And then uh okay, next little grouping here. Well I'll I'll put Chase Anderson and, and Jimmy Nelson together. I group them together because they are teammates. And, and they're doing a lot of, you know, kind of similar stuff. They they have a similar skills profile, uh, in my opinion, about a strikeout per inning, about two and a half walks, under a homer per nine. And then the, um, the, the bulk of their success is going to be dependent upon hits falling. And Anderson's stifling them a bit better this year at 7.4, Nelson at 9.3, but they're both finding success. And I believe in a lot of what both are doing. You know, um Jimmy Nelson with somebody I was like, "Well, you know, is he just is he just blah? Is he like a fifth starter? Um he's shown flashes in the past, but he doesn't have a third pitch. Like what's going on with him? Well, you know, he's incorporated that curveball more and more and I think he trusts it a, a lot more now. Not that the volume is way up uh from last year, 12% to 15% this year. But I do think that that his sequencing, Jimmy Nelson's, and the way he deploys his pitches, he's a lot more confident in, uh, and 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 he's starting to really find some success. I would like to see the hit rate come down because then I think we could really have something. But even at 350 ERA and 130 WHIP, I'll take it all day. Chase Anderson's somebody that I've been really keeping a close eye on. I ended up uh, kind of randomly watching a lot of that that no hit bid that he took uh, pretty deep t- against the Diamondbacks, and. Since then, I've been keeping a pretty close eye on, on on Chase Anderson. If you'll recall, Eno was a big Chase Anderson guy back in Arizona. Even, uh, you know, one of his one of his guys that he likes. One of those, you know, loves those four starter types with bad fastballs, but other stuff that if their fastball gets even a little bit better they could really they could really do some things. And well, it's taken a little while, but Chase Anderson's doing some things. And and starting with that Arizona outing back on May 27th, his last six outings he has a 133 ERA, 43 strikeouts, eight walks, 21 hits in 40 and two thirds innings for Chase Anderson, that's fantastic. And you know, that's you know, that's gonna stand as his best run of the year i feel pretty confident you know kind of regardless of what he does from from here on out I, I i don't think it'll necessarily get better but i'll I'll take a 350 118 whip chase anderson all day long and there's a there's a corresponding swinging strike rate jump there's a velocity jump to to believe in the in the strikeout jump so you know i think i slotted jimmy nelson ahead I, or no i put chase anderson on top okay 38, 39, but I, I, I would put maybe like a green arrow next to chase Anderson and more of a, a dash next to Jimmy Nelson. So he's staying where he is, but chase Anderson, somebody that's looking to move up and maybe I'll, I'll try to incorporate that in the next update. Actually, I don't, I not know. I'm not going to commit to that. I'm sorry. I don't know how to do that. I, w- I wouldn't know how to get little green arrows, little red arrows and little, I guess, equals signs. Um, but maybe I could just do it for a select few. Guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye, like Robbie Ray, obviously would have a Green Arrow because he moved way up. He moved from the spot start tier up to this tier, so obviously I've got you know I, I felt really strongly uh, about moving him up. But but Chase Anderson, is someone I just kind of keep looking at. I got a little Green Arrow next to him uh, for sure. Speaking of Green Arrow, dude, I love Jordan Montgomery. Like I'm I'm not even going to front on y'all one percent. I knew virtually nothing about Jordan Montgomery coming into this year. This this is a new love affair. This is might be an infatuation, y'all. I don't know if it's love, but it's something like love. Uh no, I just I really I really like this guy's stuff. He's been really impressive. I mean, it is different going to New York. It real it, it it really is, man. Um they they deal it's a different monster there. So when a young guy comes up and does find immediate success and and, and kind of handles his own that impresses me it really does so 24 year old college product uh really seems to just kind of be comfortable in his own skin left-hander that that sits 92 from the left side that definitely works four pitch mix had a really great piece with Eno uh talking about his his breaking pitches um you know uses all of the breaking pitches a lot really 13% on the slider 24% on the curve 21% on the change Four velocity bands. I mean, it's all there, man. Then you factor in the run support. He is only six and four uh, in his fourteen starts, but more often than not, he's going to get support. Now the bullpen, um, you know, you're going to need a lot of run support. The way their bullpen's been pitching lately, it hasn't been very good. I wonder if we could, uh, what, if we could start a fund to give to Joe Girardi to make sure that George, Tyler Clipper never pitches during a Jordan Montgomery or a Luis Severino outing. Uh, to to, so the lead isn't automatically blown maybe we could do something there but i'm a big fan of jordan montgomery i'm not sure that that there's a lot of growth from here but this might this he strikes me as a guy who's come in and he's pretty much operating very close to peak and and let's hope that he he can hold it you know for for a couple seasons obviously let's get through this season first but i like a lot of what he's i believe in 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 what jordan montgomery is doing Jason Vargas, Jacob Faria, Taiwan Walker, Rich Hill. Let's uh, let's start with the with the aged book endings here of Vargas and Hill, and then we'll get to Faria and Walker in a moment. You know, Jason Vargas nobody believes in, right? I wrote about him early in the season, and there's no smoking gun on what he's doing. It's just that he's always the one thing about Jason Vargas that I think he deserves credit for that he's not getting the credit for is that he's been a solid, you know, fourth, I would say fourth starter, like a solid four starter for a while. Now you want to say fifth, eh, maybe it is more fifth because if you look, the ERA plus is about, is about uh, 98 for his career. So maybe it, maybe it is more five, but I, I, for me, in my mind, a perception four is that veteran that you, that you trust that, has ups and downs, but, but you can rely on. Whereas fifth is more of a rotating spot, right? You're you're bringing in rookies. You're trying out some retreads. You're, you're getting Doug Fister off the waiver wire to try him out. You know, four is that more stable guy that he's not flashy. He's, he's not gonna, you know, win the Cy Young or anything like that, but you're going to get more good outings than bad. You're going to get the innings. uh, And so, yeah, I'll put Vargas as a four coming into, you know, this season. Well, maybe not coming into this season because he was working from, uh, working back from some health issues. But from the 2010 to 2014 seasons, he was that steady number four. Then he had Tommy John. His little flash last year, there's no way I could have given any credence to what he did in 12 innings and say, hey, there's a little something here. But now when it's paired with the rest of what he's done this year in 15 starts, you start to see, okay, you're playing you're you're finally leveraging that changeup which has been plus to plus plus throughout his career for Jason Vargas. You're leveraging that uh into into making the rest of your stuff better finally, right? He used to just kind of live off of that and and the rest of the stuff whatever. Now it's a situation where okay, I'm going to play it off of there. So that I'm going to use my fastball a little bit more sparingly. I'm going to ride this changeup curveball combo Eno's been writing about it. Others have the 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 kind of off speed. You know, everyone talks about the home run launch angle revolution on the offensive side. The off speed revolution is kind of countering it on the pitcher side. And so, yeah, he only throws 86, but effective velocity <clears throat> uh, helps it play up a lot in comparison to his 80 mile per hour changeup and his 73 mile per hour curveball. So, I still believe in in Jason Vargas as a as a quality asset here. Obviously. I'm not tabbing him for a 2.29 ERA the rest of the year, but even as the strikeouts have come back to earth, and they have, um, for sure, you're looking at it over his last eight starts. He has 31 in 49 and two-thirds innings, so you're not, you're not, you're not getting a ton of strikeouts there. But he's still got a 3.44 ERA, and one of the things that I that I do still, uh, I am still heartened by is that for most of the starts, the swinging strike rate's still been pretty good. Let's see here Four... 11 percent, six percent, six percent. Those are bad. Ten percent, nine percent, eight percent, eleven percent. For Jason Vargas, man, most of those are 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 good. He's a career eight percent guy, and he's still getting double digit swinging strike rates here and there. So, I don't know, man. I don't know what a guy has to do. You know, I, I should I should have Irvin Santana here as well. Um, I should have those t- two kind of right by each other. Urban Santana is actually just a couple spots down at 46, but they're 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 similar this year. Urban Santana and Jason Vargas are in that nobody buys what they're doing. Um, they are, you know, pitching beyond their means, beyond beyond their beyond their base skills. But I got to give credit to to Vargas because at least at least his skills are are showing some some growth and some improvement. To kind of yield these big numbers. Whereas, uh, Urban Santana, you know, his strikeouts are down, his his walks are up, and his home runs are up, but he's, he's missing barrels like crazy. Like, he, he's keeping hitters off balance. Well, either like like crazy or he's not. It, he's either great or he's awful lately. Check out these earned run outings for, uh, for Urban Santana lately. Starting with May 2nd, 0 6 0 5 0 one seven zero five six zero. He's either great or he's terrible, and the home runs really coincide with that, too. Zero four zero one zero one three zero two two zero. So, in uh, he's allowed one homer in the good outings, and two four seven eight twelve in the bad outings. So he's like I said, he's either missing the barrels or he's not, depending on the given night. But but when are you gonna bench him? When when are you gonna bench him, man? Um, you know he He did have a bad start against Boston. Okay, you might have avoided that one. I, I totally get that. Uh, but at that point, actually, no, 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 scratch that. No, you wouldn't have. If you sat a guy with a .66 ERA through his first six starts, a proven guy too, right? Like not a proven ace, but a proven. Strong number three, number four in Urban Santana. And if you benched him on May 7th against Boston, I guess kudos to you. But I think that's a bad process. I'm sorry. Like I, I don't I, I don't think you saw anything that said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and sit him here. I think this will be his first bad outing of the year. Um five earned runs against Colorado, but at home, you know, Colorado not always great on the road. I don't see how you really avoid that one. He took a 150 ERA into that game. Beginning of the month, seven. At the Angels, seven earned runs. No, nobody's sitting him there. And then his uh, two of his last three outings, uh, home to the Mariners and the White Sox. Now you you'd seen some bad ones, but it was this every other one sort of deal, and I just don't see how you would have would have sat him for those. And then he bounced back with six scoreless against Cleveland, at Cleveland, a great a great offense. You know they've been great this year. So, um, yeah, Vargas and Santana. I get that there's some skepticism, but again, putting it in the context of the era that we're in right now, how the hell are you benching them? When? How? What? You know, I just don't see it. Let's get back to Faria, Jacob Faria and Taiwan Walker. Y'all know I love Taiwan Walker. Um I did I did have big hopes for him coming into uh, Arizona this year even though he's going to a park that is tough. I just I love the talent of this 24-year-old. He's been around for a while. He's 24 years old. That might be jarring to some of you. You might not realize. Just 24 years old. And he's been fine. Not great. 350 ERA, 137 whip. Uh, Strikeouts down a tick-ish, you know, 8.0 to 7.8. Like, that's static. That's static. But the walks are up 2.5 to 3.6. But the biggest issue or the biggest, yeah, his biggest previous issue the last two years, particularly last year when he had a foot injury where he couldn't follow through, so he's leaving stuff up. Home runs were a major issue. He allowed 1.8 homers per nine last year. He's down to 0. .6 this year. That's with playing in Arizona. So I'm still all in on Taiwan on Walker. Um, he hasn't been flashy, but uh, you know I'll get him in any trade I can and, uh, and scoop him off the wire, whatever the case may be. I'm sure he's available in some 10-teamers. I bet he's going to be pretty low here on ESPN. Let's see where they've got him. Taiwan Walker, fifty six percent. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, ten team league. Th- there are going to be some guys that I I I have to put myself. Like I said, I do play one eleven team mixed, but most of mine are like fifteen team mixed or deeper, um, or uh, ALNL only. So I'm used to like a guy like Taiwan Walker is just such an auto start that sometimes I have to remember. Okay, in a ten teamer if things broke your way, a lot of things are breaking the wrong way for people, but if things broke your way where you, where you have um, one of the big three, Kershaw Scherzer sale plus Granky plus Alex Wood plus James Paxton, like that's not impossible. Right. Uh, you know, so what did I say there? So you got, let's say Scherzer, Granky, Wood, Paxton, and, I don't know. You picked up one of the brewers, so those are your five right there, and you got that sixth spot, and you're just kind of like rotating in guys, and then you got three closers because in ten team you you usually need three closers to compete. I could see a scenario where you're like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't use Walker this week. He's not on a two start, so give me a two start, you know, Sean Newcomb or something like that. So I, okay, I, I I get it, and I'll I'll, I'll pull back on my. Same reaction to seeing HAP at fifty-seven percent, because if things broke right, there are few teams in in every ten-team league, I'm sure, that have stacked rotations from picking up a lot of the the quote-unquote free loot, as as Peter Kreutzer calls it. So, um, I understand that. But generally speaking, I still want Taiwan Walker on my. Ro- he needs to be on a roster, I think, though. That's the one thing I guess where I I could get it if the start percentage is lower, but the fact that he's only fifty-seven percent. Owned, I think, is is where I like. Hmm, are there really, are there really that many better pitchers to where he's he's only like just over half? I don't know. So, because you know, even in a even in a ten team league, you're thinking what seventy five starters are are owned, um, seventy most well more than that eighty, right? Because if three reserves, I think, is the is the default in ESPN. And so, let's say let's say six and a half uh, are are on each team uh, in the starting rotations. That's sixty five, and then another. I don't know, not I, maybe not every team has one on their bench. So we'll just add seven more. That's seventy two. That's just seventy two starters right there. I I, I obviously believe Taiwan Walker is a top seventy two pitcher. So anyway, I'm a big fan. Rich Hill. Um, I said I was going to bookend it. Uh, I was going to go Vargas and, and Rich Hill on those bookends. I actually ended up making it Santana, Rich Hill. Somebody that has been absolutely infuriating this year. And I advocated actually getting him because of you know the innings that you're going to get are going to be really good. Just put him in your lineup, you know when you can. Pair him with some other guys. Um, a lot. See, this was a weird kind of like trend I was seeing, and it might have been anecdotal, but I saw it so often, not just in industry leagues, but in home leagues, where he was getting paired a lot with Kershaw. It was like they they were just saying, you know what? I'll get the stud, and I'll and I'll get the pseudo stud here. Well, he hasn't been the the same guy, and we had to be ready for this to to possibly happen. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying I called it. I didn't. I did not think that he would he would completely revert back to the guy who couldn't find the zone to save his life. But apparently his old skin is just cracking at the seams left and right because he's a blister monster, and he's got a 5.4 walks per nine and 1.1 homer. So his command and control are all off right now, and yet he's still only got a 460 ERA. And for as bad as it's been at times for Rich Hill to only have a 460 right now, I think that speaks to the fact that, he's he's still doing enough uh been really good in his last two starts three of his last four not going deep in the games you're only you're getting four or five in, that's what makes it tough right there because um you know last year when when he was pitching only 20 starts but you got 12 dubs in 110 innings and the great ratios and the great strikeouts 129 strikeouts like obviously that was a, that was a dream season I'm not. I'm not saying that we thought that was going to be the repeat, but I was hoping for more of like a a, a three fifty um, ERA. Well, I was probably saying before I th- before I knew that the home runs were going to get even crazier this year. I probably would have said, hey, let's put him down for a three twenty strikeout per inning and good support on this team. I guess you know he is still he does still have four wins in in ten starts, so it's it's not all bad. Um, but yeah, with Rich Hill you just gotta use him when you can. That's the thing that makes it tough on him though, because when he is struggling, you already know you're gonna get a, a a stunted workload. So it, it you kind of kinda of puts some pressure on you to say, I gotta start him every time I can. Um but I and I get that. But he is pitching better, so I I'm sticking with Rich Hill. Lance Lynn, Mike Leek, Ivan Nova, Matt Shoemaker, um you know the these guys are are there's a lot of similarities here in that they're just that that those guys that you're looking to get those innings from and you're going to get more good starts than bad and you just kind of use them i never thought mike leake would would stay at that ridiculous pace that he was on early on nobody did um he has you know started to meander his way back but he still has a 312 ERA right so even with some bad starts, it's not like he's falling apart and you're going to get a lot of baseline quality starts. You're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, six innings with fewer than three runs too. You'll get some six and fours too, but you're going to get a lot of six inning starts and that's going to put him in position to do well. Um, and so even if he continues to kind of meander his way back toward his career, uh, three, uh, he's got 393 ERA for his career, but you know, 3.37, 3.70, 3.70, 4.69, 3.12. Those are his last five seasons, including this year, for Mike Leek. Well, I knew he wasn't as bad as 4.69 because his skills didn't change to a level where you thought that he was a true talent 4.69 now. And he's not a true talent 3.12 this year either. He's a true talent mid-threes. 3.93 ERA, your range of outcomes... We're on the positive end here. I think it's still going to meander back toward about a 360. I'll take it with Mike Leake all day. Uh, teammate Lance Lynn is 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 uh, as as the guys on in this league would say, he's beating his FIP. Uh, he's got a 554 FIP, and I know that freaks people out. It's because he has a 19 homer per nine, right? Like, don't be disingenuous and just cite the FIP and not explain how it how it got there. Right? It's a it's an ugly FIP. And it's way higher than his ERA. I get it, right? But all you're really saying is that he has a high home run rate. Because that's all, that's all it is. The strikeout and walk ratio are in line with everything we've seen out of Lance Lynn before. But his homers have spiked from a career, coming into this year, he was a career 0.8, I think. 0.7. And now he's at 1.9. Okay? Like, that doesn't add up. And I know that it, it fits a little bit with this, with the with the home run revolution, of course, but a 21% run to fly ball ratio. Come on, man. He's a career 9%. That includes this year. If you lop off this year, I bet it's closer to like seven and a half, eight percent. But let's just go with it. Let's just go with his career 9%. So he's more than double, and you think that's gonna stick? So don't just cite Lance Lynn's FIP and 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 wipe your hands and say yeah can't take him 554 FIP. that's it's disingenuous you're doing a disservice to yourself um and to anybody that you're advising uh assuming you're advising somebody uh, it's stupid don't do it unless you truly believe that he's going to continue to give up two homers per nine then exp- at least explain that then too so yeah, his Phipps way up because of his homer rate, and I've watched him, and I think he's going to continue to give up homers. But you haven't watched him. You don't even acknowledge the homers. I'm not talking to anybody specific. I feel like I'm like, it's like I'm yelling at somebody. No, I'm just saying. I, I've heard his fifth cited. I've read it cited on on Twitter, but as like a a, a mic drop, and I, I I just I don't think I don't think that's what it is. Um. So. Lance Lynn coming on the heels of, of two seven earned run outings too. That's that pushes the RA up from 269 to 386. And he allowed six homers. So that that's a big part of it too. But he was allowing homers before that. I'm not that worried unless we come out with something that's like an injury based off of these two starts. It looks like just a, 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 a crappy blip. And I'll go ahead and take my shot. The one thing that I am a little bit nervous about by a little bit unnerved by the fact that his last outing was his season low velocity. Uh, but the one before that was his season high. So, and both were seven and run outings. So, yes, the FIP is high. No, I don't think that's who he is, though. I'll take a 386 the rest of the way. Even if that's all I get is three eighty six the rest of the way. Sign me up. Uh all right here. And then I said leak. Oh, Nova. Nova, you know, you got to have your strikeouts set up elsewhere, right? Especially if you're in a, uh, innings cap league, because at that point it becomes a strikeout per nine league. And in that case, you do have to move somebody like Ivan Nova down, right? He's at 5.2. He's actively hurting you on the strikeouts at that point. Um, whether you're in a flat out K nine league or an innings cap league, which again becomes a K nine league, but everything else is good there. 306 ERA 108 whip, um, his home runs are in check, especially for him. It's it's at point nine six, but this was a guy who regularly allowed over one. So the fact that he's down at point nine six, uh, I'll take it. You know, he's not amazing, but he, he fills up the zone. I I find him similar to Mike Leake. To be honest, I, I'm not going to go too detailed on that. Uh, just make sure you have your strikeouts covered. Maybe with the other guy, Brad Peacock. You know, they're a good pairing right there. If you could pair those two. Then you're and think about it that way. Then I think you got something going, especially because Nova gives you the innings, whereas Peacock has really been uh, kind of have shorter in, shorter stints. One because he was transitioning out of the bullpen, and and two because he gets so many strikeouts that he's running up the pitch count. You know, like they're already kind of managing his pitch count, and then he's using them quickly by getting all these strikeouts as a starter. Eight, eight, nine, one, ten, eight. Are his strikeout totals? Those are sexy. But the innings totals: four two, uh four and a third, four four and two thirds, six, three, four and two thirds, five and two thirds. But then you go look at Nova. And let me look up Ivan Nova really quickly. Doo, 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 doo. Game one, and he's got seven, seven, six, six, seven, eight and a third, seven and a third, six, six and th- I don't have to keep going. You get it. You get it. You pair those two, you got something. I I like the idea of doing that. Um and and thinking of them as as a grouping. Uh or a, a, as as their their own superstar. Matt Shoemaker, you know, AL's Lance Lynn, I guess. I I you know, same kind of deal where um he's just solid. He's just always oh, on the DL right now. I I missed that. Pardon me, guys. Pardon me on that. I I missed that he went to the DL. Um When did that happen? That happened over the weekend or did that happen before? And I just goofed. I might've just goofed. Let me look up his injury and give, give an assessment on that. Uh, Forearm. Oh, okay. Okay. Has he been on the DL? Wait, maybe he was on the DL before this. See, I don't have Matt Shoemaker anywhere. And when you don't have somebody on your team, you kind of lose sight of them. So maybe I shouldn't have even put, he should have been listed under the injured guys from jump street. It seems. When did he go on the DL? Um Oh, the 17th. Okay. Yeah. So I put this up on the 23rd. Yeah, my fault. My fault on that one uh with Matt shoemaker but again, same same sort of class of player we're talking about and I I will I will stand by the uh, the Lance Lynn thing cuz if you look, he's got uh a 1.7 homer per 9, but his other skills are really in line with everything. So as long as the form isn't something that if he comes back from it and and He's healthy and ready to go. I think Matt Shoemaker is going to be a 3.70 ERA kind of guy. All right, that caps off the the usually start tier. Let's get into the spot start. I can't cover everybody in the spot start. This will this will take literally forever. We've already passed the two hour mark, uh, so we're going to be a little bit quicker here. I'm going to give some some snap thoughts on these guys. Sonny Gray's a guy who uh, starts off the spot start tier, and that's just me being a little bit cautious. I'm starting him in in most scenarios, right? Like there, I, I built in the, the the cushion of spot start just just for those that are, might be a little bit uh, nervous about him. Uh, but for me, Sonny Gray is somebody that I, I kept through a couple of DL stints, uh, or I I kept through a DL stint on a couple of teams, and then I've put him right back in, and I've taken some of the bumps. But I've been impressed, actually, with pretty much everything he's done. Even the bad start against Houston was a terrible first inning. Five runs on five hits, and then he allowed two hits, no runs the rest of the way. And he only lasted five because he'd run up 108 pitches. But I was really impressed by that. Um, Rick Porcello, range of outcomes, y'all. Range of outcomes. You look at at Rick Porcello, this is a great example of what I'm talking about when I say... um, now. Okay, maybe five ERA is a little bit higher, but when the home runs are spiking, he's always been a guy who's allowed a lot of hits. So one little thing like home runs spiking plus a few extra hits, uh, he's a career 9.9, and this year he's up at 12 hits per nine, and his home run rate has gone from 1.0 career to 1.5. The sequencing here, you see how he gets to a five ERA. Um, I think he's at least like a four ERA guy, true you know true talent so you know you you spot him right now now the problem is i don't know exactly when to spot him like do you, do you just use him at home um he's actually been worse at home from an era standpoint but way better from a uh skill standpoint 5.5 5. strikeout to walk ratio with 9.1 strikeouts per nine versus 4.2 7.7 on the road do you start him against uh, you know A team with a certain handedness. Well, righties have an 891 OPS, lefties have an 835. So he's he's spot start again for those leagues that we're just talking about, where you got a great rotation. You know, ten and twelve teamers. You got a lot of guys that you would rather use ahead of him. So that's where you're spot starting him. But he's got to be on a roster because if it's a mechanical tweak or if it's a little something on one of those pitches or if it's a little bit more fastball command. Like I don't think first off, he's not a true talent five ERA guy. Rick Porcello isn't. And I think like we're where we're looking at maybe a tweak or two, then all of a sudden he can go on a run. And it's nine starts of a of a two sixty ERA with seven wins because Boston gets going or something like that. So and I'm not even a huge uh Porcello guy from fantasy. I just uh, listen he stole a Cy Young that's not his fault uh I'm just that's mostly tongue-in-cheek although I, I firmly believe that Verlander deserved it I just like to make those jokes but uh yeah y- y- you can't really do anything 489 4.89 strikeout to walk ratio the homers come down Porcel will be fine Masahiro Tanaka you know that outing I, I didn't get to watch it because I was uh, flying to San Diego the Tanaka versus Darvish I was just following it on my phone. It seemed amazing. The two were both freaking dealing. Now, the thing at Tanaka, they talk, they quoted him on the telecast recently um, as saying that he feels that the ball is, is markedly different. And he said, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not. I, I own my struggles. But this is not the same ball. And he was talking about the seams. And I wonder if that's you know causing some issues with fastball and splitter command. And that's why he's giving up 50 billion homers. Again, this is a guy who's had homer issues before, but it's a solo shot here and there where he gives up a homer per nine. Well, he's at 2.2 this year with a 24% homer to five ball ratio, double what he had last year, and even well above his 16% mark, which again includes this year. If you take his career at 16%, that includes this year's awfulness. And you're even getting down to that. I think would save him like seven or eight homers off of his total and, and start to slice into his uh, in, into his ERA. Tanaka is somebody that I would honestly buy. This is a true buy low, y'all. Now, price might have raised a little bit after that big outing. Maybe some folks are encouraged, or, or at least they'll feign encouragement to charge you a little bit extra. But you're still getting a major discount on Tanaka, and I think I'd buy him. I really do. I know it seems crazy, but this is a true buy low when it actually is terrible. Julio Tehran, speaking of terrible, my God. I'm a little, I'm I'm less inclined. Like this is also a buy low, but I don't have near the encouragement. Um, Watching his starts. I don't know. I, I got to be consistent though. It is a buy low. I, I think home runs are are a major major issue, uh, and then a lot of the other stuff. You know, it, it's worse. Like the strikeout and walk ratio are both worse, but not so much so that now all of a sudden I think he's a slug. Like I, I don't think Julio Tehran's automatically a slug. Now this ho- new home park, you know, they built it for Freddie Freeman. They sure as hell didn't build it for build it for Julio Tehran. He has a 758 at home and a 289 on the road. So maybe you just road start him right now. Um, his 2.1 strikeout-to-walk ratio on the road isn't exactly knocking socks off, though either. So I understand caution with with Julio Tehran. Here's the thing: when I say buy low on him, though, I'm talking throwing in a deal. When you're doing like one of those one of those two-for-ones that that you don't want to be two-for-one, have the guy make throw Tehran in with that say, you know, what whatever deal you're doing there where you're getting the one superstar for your two quality guys, say, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take Toronto off your hands too. And then you just throw on your bench and, and, and see if something turns around. You know, when, when guys like this are struggling, established guys, and they're still running them out there so you can be reasonably certain that it's not injury, sometimes it's just going to be a bad year. There's definitely that. But they're going to keep working, right? They're going to keep tweaking. They're going to keep trying to figure things out. And so I don't think that... uh that we're going to see a 530 ERA by the end of the year for Tehran. But I don't know that it's going to be much better than say 450 either. So, you know, it's a buy low, but it's a stinky one. It's a deep league one. I would not buy low in in 10 or 12 teamers. I mean, he's on the wire in 10 teamers. Uh, Dan Straley, Felix Hernandez, Tanner Roark. You know, Dan Straley is a guy that I feel like I I, kind of nailed it this year. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. Not that it's some great thing. But what I said was last year, he had a 376 ERA, but a 488 FIP. So he was he was fortunate to get that. I thought this year he would have a similar ERA, but actually earn it. In other words, his FIP would come down. His skills would be more representative. He would allow fewer homers. Now, the one thing I didn't see was the, big, the, the strikeout jump from 7'6 to one. So credit to him there. I did not have that for Dan Straley. But he's got a 344 ERA with a 380 FIP. So I feel... I still feel pretty comfortable about what I said there. Um love using this guy at home. Um let me actually see if he's if he's dominating at home or if I'm just perceiving it. No, 231 ERA at home. But hey, I I'm not flat-sitting him on the road though for Dan Straley. He does have a 493 on the road, but a 123 whip, 9.6 strikeouts and 3.7 strikeout to walk ratio. You know? So I I kind of I kind of like I kind of like some of the stuff he's doing on the road for sure. Uh, who else did I say there? Uh, oh, yeah, Felix and Tanner Roark. I mean, it's kind of like a what you see is what what you get sort of. Like with Felix, he's back. He's actually pitching right now. It's uh, He's giving up three runs in four innings. Yeah, four innings on five hits, four strikeouts. You know, he's got a 491 ERA for the year. You know. I don't know what, what you can do. I don't know if you guys can hear Charlotte crying. She's pretty upset about Felix. She's a longtime Felix Hernandez fan. Um, so I don't know. You know, what what are you gonna do? Yeah. He's a tough one. I didn't draft him because I didn't want the headache of the name value making me feel like I have to start him and and the results saying maybe you don't but if you do look at it this year because listen he missed a ton of time he missed 2 months with injury so this season's just getting going as well i don't think you can really make an assessment i actually probably should have put him in the in the usually start just cuz right now i don't see how i don't see the the exact way to spot start him i think you just kind of put him out there and see where he is for a 4 or 5 start stretch and then assess it after that so that's where i'm at with with Felix uh, right now with Tanner Roark I don't know what his deal is, man. I thought he was going to be one of those steady guys that you could kind of trust. I had him in the usually start early on because I, I, you know, I didn't believe 283 last year, but I could see 350 pretty easily. I think he's true talent, 350. And so give me that all day. Well, everything's in line except for his homers and his hits. And I I, I think they kind of, you know, when you start struggling with homers, you get deeper into games. You start getting in some trouble. Some of those hits start to fall. You know, the, the, they kind of play off each other. But the home run rate gone for, has gone from .7 to 1.2. The strikeout walk rate are identical to last year. But the hits nine has gone from 7.4 to 9.9. So there's definitely some issues that he he's contributing to, Tanner Roark. But I also think there's some bad luck. I I don't think it's out of bounds to say that that he's going through some bad luck. This is a guy who tweaks as well. He's very smart about you know trying to figure out what's what's wrong uh thinks about thinks about uh ways to improve he's he's on he's on a real bad one right now five five innings seven runs two and two thirds six runs six innings six runs in his last three outings and even the outing before that against texas was six innings two runs but 11 hits so that was like a a a dodging raindrops sort of thing so um Oh, never mind. It was five runs to earned. Okay, so he didn't even really dodge the raindrops, at least not for his team's sake. So I don't know. Right now, you know, three of those four starts are at, were at home. <sighs> Texas, Atlanta, at Miami, and uh, Cincy, you know, Texas is probably the only one you didn't start him. Of course you're going to start him at Miami, and he got killed. So I don't know, man. You you, 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 you do what you can yeah I don't I don't have a great answer for Tanner Roark. If I got him in a deep league, I'm probably still just riding it out. In a shallow league, 10-teamer, and you cut him, I don't I don't blame you. I don't blame you. There's probably a team in your league that should at least have him on reserve. It doesn't have to be your team though. And the, and in a 10-team league, maybe 6 or 7 of the teams can honestly just completely overlook him. Um and then maybe there's a team or two that has to say, "Oh, well, I could probably put him on my bench and see if he rallies." Drew Pomeranz, Joe Biagini, Joe Ross, Junior Guerra. Pomeranz has the te- the most talent of this group for sure, and and has the best chance to move up in tier. Um, he still kind of loses himself from time to time. You know, he's a two star, or excuse me, two two pitch guy with the fastball, curveball. The curveball is nasty. He really leans on that curveball. I think he's got a filthy percentage of curveball usage these past couple years. Let's see here. I think he's like Rich Hillian. Uh, well this year, okay. Yeah. 39% each of the last two years. I mean, so he, 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 he leans on it and it's a good pitch, but you're going to have hangers. Uh, when, when you're that curveball dependent, you're going to have hangers, which is going to lead to homers, which is why he's a 3.81 ERA with a one three homer per nine, but 27% strikeout rate each of the last two years too. And his walk rates come down this year. So I like a lot of what drew Pomeranz is doing. Uh, I actually think he needs to be a little bit higher. I'm not going to lie. If I'm adjusting these on the fly, I got him either, you know, right in that sunny Gray, Rick Porcello, Masahiro Tanaka grouping at the beginning of this tier, or even maybe he takes Matt Shoemaker's spot when I move Matt Shoemaker down into the injury group. I, I like Drew Pomerantz. I'm, I'm a fan. Joe Biagini, um, somebody used all the wishes. I used that joke on Twitter last night. It's not that funny. Uh, it's maybe not even funny 1%, but you know what? You know, I, I, I said it. I own it. It's a great joke. But. Uh, whatever i mean he's been solid for the most part and by the way when i made that joke yesterday he had allowed two runs in the first inning and i was like oh boy here we go again because he's had a couple bad starts recently and he ended up going five and a third three runs not so bad after a terrible first inning. first inning is the hardest inning for pitchers so when you see these starts when they have the one bad inning and then they and then they rally like i take a lot from that Or, or or i or i don't ding them as hard on, for a negative start when I see that it was the bad first inning and then they and then they really tightened up like the Verlander start yesterday or the Sonny Gray start at Houston when he allowed the five runs and then really tightened up um, so yeah Biagini the the real one nightmare was against the White Sox one inning finished seven runs six of them earned he did make it into the second and allowed four hits three runs but didn't get a single out so uh, around that you know you talk about range of outcomes, seven innings, three runs, one earned, seven innings, three runs, three earned, uh, five and two thirds, four earned, five and a third, three earned. Like that's, that's where he lives. I think five to seven innings, um, you know, one to five runs, and you're going to just kind of mix up in there. I I've been impressed that he's, that he's had some six, seven inning games. His stuff is really held up well out of the bullpen. So I still like be a a bit, even though I made that that stupid wishes joke. Um, Joe Ross, Junior Guerra. Joe Ross has great talent. Uh, prospect growth is not linear. Prospect growth is not linear, but a very talented arm on a great team. I'm I'm slotting him on reserve at the very least. He's struggling. He de- He's definitely got some struggles. Um, he's got some some really bad starts on the ledger, uh, but two of them were before his DL stint. And he's got a couple after as well, but one was at Colorado. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go through and justify all of them. He got laced by the Padres and the uh, A's for crying out loud and the Braves. What the hell, Joe? Jeez. So good luck spot starting him. But uh, I do think he needs to still be on a roster in, in, in most leagues because when he gets going, I mean, we saw a 343 ERA for 105 innings last year. And a 364 for 77 innings the year before that. Junior Gare is kind of figuring it out a little bit since coming off the DL. The walks have been a major issue, and that does have me a little bit alarmed for sure. But I like this guy. I think he's got some good stuff. You know, random 31-year-old breakout last year. Nobody thought he was a 281 ERA guy, but a 381, yeah. I, I, I think he can be kind of a true talent 381. But if that's what he is, true talent, 454 ERA right now is not that far off. I mean, he's a that, that means he's a baseline quality start guy right now. And, um, you know, he's got a 4.54 despite a four inning, eight run outing at Cincy just yesterday on the 27th where he had a terrible first inning, but he didn't tighten up. He, he tightened up for three innings, but then gave up three more in the fifth. So that's one of those where he could have tightened it up and, and, and kept it, kept the damage minimal, but he, he melted down again in the, uh, in in the fifth so but i like junior Guerra. i I think he's somebody you can definitely spot in 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 areas here you know just avoid the really really tough spots uh i know at Cincy isn't necessarily one of those so you 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 would have taken that one on the chin but such is life spot starting is a dangerous game man it's 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 tough you're gonna you're gonna have misses you just got to use your your process and and uh and and hope you hope you win more than you lose Alex Cobb is up next, and he's a guy I've been watching closely because we've been talking about him on a lot on the podcast, both with Jason and Eno, and they you know, keep mentioning, listen, the change isn't there, the change isn't there, the change isn't there, the change is improving, the change is getting there. Okay, like it's been. that's been kind of the, the, the marker of success for Alex Cobb this season is where's the change up at? And I think it's getting it's getting better and better, and we're seeing better and better results. He had a, a deep no hit bid yesterday, or, you know, something of a. Uh, let me see. Did he get through seven? No, he got through six, and then allowed two hits in the seventh, um, and then come out for a, a hitless and scoreless eighth. So he goes eight shutout innings, two hits, four strikeouts. Not a lot of strikeouts. Almost almost uh, Ivan Nova e this year. In fact, you know, even a little bit better. He has six point two strikeouts. So maybe. Maybe I gotta have Cobb higher if I'm gonna have Nova where I do. Except Nova's walk rate is so good that even when he's allowing hits, he's still got a good, uh, good whip. Cobb, meanwhile, is allowing hits, um, and, and his walk rate is not bad by any stretch—two point five. You'll take that all day, but it's not one. It's not 1.0 like uh, like Nova's is. So he's still got he's still got a pretty high whip at one thirty seven, or excuse me, at one thirty one. But I do like Cobb. Uh, I would probably move him up within this tier if I if I redid things right now. Uh JC Ramirez, you know, he's been he's done some decent things. I'm not, you know, enamored of him by any stretch, but I I I am jarred every time I go to his page and see that he throws 95 96. I I don't know why. I just that wasn't the perception I had initially so that when he did it I was like, "Oh, okay, I see you, JC." But he's a great he's a great example of uh, you know, you know, exhibit 5 billion of how velocity alone will not garner success. Um, Michael Waka, damn dude, I don't even know. I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. Is he hurt again? You know, injuries have been the biggest issue. The talent's been there. Um, but at some point, you know, I, I've had, I've had to downgrade him a bit. I've had to downgrade him in perception, even in like how I value him because I've been a big Waka fan from the jump. And he has rebounded now for a couple starts after a big skid. Well, not even that big. Three, three really bad starts in a row, a good start, another mediocre one, another mediocre and then a good one. So, you know, he's kind of finding his footing. Is he just a baseline quality start guy? Is he a six inning three run guy? Well, even if so i think you're you can get you can get something out of that as long as he's still striking out 8.3 per 9 like he is this year so i'm still in on waka i you know i i am giving a little bit of side eye right now but he has just 25 still too like i'm not i'm never going to fully quit waka well i shouldn't say that i'm not going to fully quit waka within the next year or two because i still believe in the talent and i still think that fully healthy waka is is good Dylan Bundy, Jaime Garcia, kind of two ends of the spectrum. There, you got the the up and comer uh, who's starting to show some things in, in Bundy, but I don't think the skills are good. I think the name value um, is higher than than the results right now, and i i would I would be shopping him three seventy three ERA, one twenty two WHIP. That's good, man. No no one is going to turn turn their nose at that. But I, I think you use that to your favor to try to sell him because it's, I think the name value is still drawing more than than dylan bundy is worth right now and we're coming up on 99 innings for a guy who threw 110 last year well wait let me see if he threw any minors in 16 no so he threw a buck 10 all year last year injuries are are what has stalled has stalled him out in the first place i think you want to jump off the bundy train right now jaime garcia somebody that multiple times throughout his career has has been really good just just like a really solid go back to that uh jason vargas thing just a really strong number four that teams can rely on i think he'll be a trade asset so he's got two and five record despite a 403 era and 131 whip this year goes to another team could turn around steal some w's be somebody that you spot start in those in those cushy spots you know nothing special but not bad tyler anderson john lackey um, Francisco Liriano, Jared Eichoff, Anderson. I, I I have a hard time just kind of forgetting about him, even though the numbers haven't been great this year. He's up at a six eleven ERA, but his fourteen uh, percent strikeout minus walk ratio is actually eleventh best among this uh, spot start group. And but Colorado man, Colorado gonna get you. It always gets Oh, he's on the DL too. Damn it. Okay. Well, I think this one actually happened recently. I'm not going to look it up, but I, I don't think he was on the DL when I made the list. But if he was, then um, no, he started on the 25th. He couldn't have been. I released it on the 24th, 23rd. Okay, so he got bombed out, and they finally said, okay, there's something wrong here. So that probably, whatever injury he had, maybe that explained some of why he's he's struggled at times this year. Although I will say, he'd been on a nice run in May, four starts. 255 era but then he gives up five and six he gives up six in five i should say um against seattle and then got bombed out at the dodgers before the dl stint so i don't know tyler Anderson's still somebody that if the knee's all right when he gets back oh wait he's gonna miss a month okay so sit tight on that we can assess him down the line when he's when he's looking toward the comeback john lackey the one the I acknowledged what he did last year as, as really, really good. In fact, he's been pretty damn good. Remember when we buried him in Boston? Well, I, maybe you guys didn't. I, I shouldn't put that on everybody. But I know I was part of like, okay, is this guy done, dude? Is this guy done at 32? What the hell? And then he gets Tommy John. It's like, oh, my God, dude. This this sucks, man, because he was a really good workhorse. And is his career going to end early? And he's like, nah, bro. Listen, Spore, you geek. Uh, I'm not done. And then he reeled off a great 13. Uh, 14 and then even better 15 and 16 like he's been getting better with age the one issue that i had though is once you start getting past 35 i'm just generally afraid because it can go in a blink there is no rhyme or reason that you don't need a smooth down decline now he's not necessarily hurt though so i guess that doesn't even apply to to what john lackey's doing this year i just didn't want him because of that fear that's what i'll say But it hasn't really been injury. It's been it's been performance. He has 2.2 homers. Another guy though that the homers are through the roof on some of these guys. Like, think about what Mike Fires did and how he came around. Like, it can't get worse, right? If John Lackey isn't in fact hurt and he does keep pitching, he pretty much has to get better, right? If they keep running him out there, like, how does he not get better? I don't know. Like, I'm not saying go buy him, because like. Uh, no, I just don't want to. But 30 innings of a 390 ERA just this month, he is what he is. If you need help, he's available on your wire, 10-teamer, 12-teamer. I could see picking him up, but whatever. Francisco Liriano, uh, man, I was pretty excited about him this year, getting getting with, um, with Russell Martin. He's been up and down, man. Too tough to trust, especially in this volatile environment. Because he can just get flamed out, man. Oh, man. It's just like when it goes wrong, it goes so wrong. Because the the tough part about a guy like that is another guy can have the same ERA and and the same whip. But if the whip comes via hits instead of walks, you don't think about it the same. You don't judge him as harshly. But since Liriano has uh, a 5.0 walks per nine and you watch him and it's just painful when he's bad... Uh, that makes people i think judge him even more harshly but uh 546 ERA, 161 whip you can judge that as harshly as you want uh, i still think there are spots where you can where you can use him right now where you can use Francisco Gloriano, but i'm not uh, i'm not super hyped on him as i was earlier this year carlos Rodon's returning i think tonight so I'll, uh, i put him in the spot start right now cuz i'll just reserve judgment until i get to see something luis perdomo's a guy i actually really do like um I was kind of keeping an eye on him last year. He had a ninety-four mile per hour fastball and a sixty percent ground ball rate. And I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of makings here. Same thing this year. Brings back 94 up to 65% ground ball rate. Now he's really hit and miss. In fact, um, I don't think I, I mean, do I have teammate Danelson Lamette in the same yeah, I do. They're both in the spot. they he's all the way down to 86 where Perdomo's at 72. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bunch these two together in that they're either great or awful. And Lamette, I saw I saw Lamette in Petco. Now, they don't have the same thing in terms of, like, ground ball rate. But uh, it's the same sort of deal of, like, they're great or they're bad. And Lamette perfectly crystallized that in the start that I saw him against Tigers on Saturday. They either hit the ball to the warning track. They couldn't get the ball out of the damn yard. But they either hit it to the warning track, 100-mile uh, exit velocity, or they struck out. Or they looked nasty on, on some – they rolled over a slider uh, for an easy ground out. It was nothing in between. So then I go, and because I'm super vain, I wanted to see if we were on TV because we had great seats. I've only watched four innings of it, and we haven't been so far, um, which is upsetting because I need to be on TV to fulfill my life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the the telecast thing said all or nothing. Like You know how they do those little scouting reports, and they're usually like really stupid. They say these dumb generic phrases like, win – do well get outs those are the three keys to the game john if he just wins does well and get outs i think we're gonna have a good one today uh they're usually pretty stupid but they had a good one there they're talking about all or nothing and it was uh, i don't have the exact percentage but this is about right so go with me 54 percent of the nelson Lamette's plate appearances have either been a strikeout or an extra base hit i think that's what it was it was insane. And then that was before the game on Saturday. And then he has this game where like, he pitches really well, but... They, they, a lot of the outs were crushed and he did allow a couple extra base hits. So it's like, it's an interesting thing right now. I think Denelson Lemets finding his footing. That's why uh, he's got these really sexy skills, 12.6 strikeouts and a 4.2 strikeout to walk ratio, but 2.4 homers and a 660 ERA. So I think you spot start a guy like that right now. Luis Perdomo um, doesn't quite have the strikeout prowess, but he makes up for it with the ground balls. And I definitely like him as well. I think you can spot start both these guys. They're widely available being Padres as well. Uh, Kenta Maeda looks like he's going to be in the rotation right now while, while Brandon McCarthy's down. He's been kind of hit and miss. He's tough to trust because you know he's going to get moved back out at some point. Same with Hyunjin Ryu, who I have very close to him. Um, you know, just use them when you can. Mike Fires, we've talked about him a lot because Jason kind of called that one. To, he said stay, stay with him, and and he's been great. Uh, for a while now after that horrific start. I refuse to quit Drell Cotton long-term for sure. I do think since coming back up, his command has looked better. And that was something that I overrated his command based on a month last year. And I really tried to tell myself not to get too overhyped on the month, but I must've watched all of those starts in the off season. And I just got so drunk on how sexy that changeup was and and how well he spotted everything else too. The changeup, you know, draws everybody in. But he was spotting everything last year. Drell Cotton was for that month though. It's twenty nine in the third innings. Paul, relax. But I, I wasn't relaxed. I was pretty hyped on him. Got off to a bad start. Went down. He's come back up. Since coming back up though, I think he's been all right. Well, actually, four twenty eight ERA. That's all right right now. Like for for the leagues that you're going to be using somebody like Drell Cotton, like a four twenty eight ERA is not that bad. He's uh, just you know he's under strikeout per inning, though. Twenty seven and thirty three and two thirds. Um, if we can get a few more strikeouts, I, I could even I could take that ERA with, with a strikeout per inning. Can we get there? Either way, not quitting cotton long term would certainly scoop him in, in, in Dynasty Leagues, keeper leagues, where you keep a lot. You gotta keep a lot for, for that. Um that's why Dynasty League is the best where you pretty much keep your entire uh entire system. By the way, he did leave his last outing with a blister. There's so many blisters this year, and that's another thing about the ball change. I wonder if it's putting some of these uh blisters in play. But I do still like Drell Cotton. Ian Kennedy, what you see is what you get, guy. Home run boon across the league is not a good thing for a guy who's always had home run issues. So you really got to spot him. Honestly, I don't. I, I I haven't looked deep enough to see if it plays that way. But I maybe if you're if you're thinking about using Ian Kennedy, go through his game log. And and see how he's uh, and compare it to kind of how he's done against the teams that hit the most home runs. Is is it home run teams that are getting him, or is it all teams that are getting him? I would try to use him against the teams that obviously don't have as much power. Like that's you know, duh. But but with him specifically, because he and Kennedy has had such home run issues, I think that's how you got to kind of play it. Daniel Norris, Jordan Zimmerman, uh, you know, both Tigers. Uh, obviously, I would say Green Arrow Norris. Red Arrow Zimmerman Zimmerman started to show some, some something and his stuff was looking a lot more crisp and then he gets flamed out in in San Diego and that was that was disappointing because he really was for four, for four starts to start the month against the White Sox at the Red Sox home to Arizona and at Seattle he was looking like Jordan Zimmerman proper uh the slider was moving the fastball he was commanding the fastball uh all over the zone and then just bombed out uh, five innings, or excuse me, four innings, five runs, and a, uh, a couple of homers. I mean, I, that's not the end of the world, but I don't know, man. I just come on, dude. You you, you got to take the layups. You got to you got to get the layups there. You're gonna go into Boston and go six innings, two runs, and then you can give it all back against San Diego, dude. That's so frustrating, especially for the folks that are spot starting him, 'cause you know they sat him at Boston and they couldn't wait to start him at San Diego. So that's that's a real kick in the old. But there, um, if you're using Jordan Zimmerman, so be careful there. Jesse Hahn, um, you know, we've seen the talent. We've seen it in flashes, even this, you know, this year. Throughout his career, I like him. I actually had him up uh, a higher tier last time. I had him as a usually start. He's he's certainly. Not throwing as well as he was during that last segment uh but with with only a couple really really bad starts it's just two two meltdowns and and the meltdown aspect is is why i moved him down because um that ah, that worries me man if your bad starts are five innings five runs i'll give you some leeway but when your bad starts are two innings five runs two innings nine runs ugh, that's so tough uh, and it just, it, it infuriates me. Tyro Chatwood is a pure road only guy. Do not use him anywhere else. You are asking for trouble. Do not ever use him in Colorado. Mike Montgomery uh, in the rotation right now, a guy that has the stuff. I don't know that, that he's a game changer though. I was, I was hyped on him coming into the year, but after watching a lot, even in the bullpen and some of these longer stints, he's got good stuff. Eno wrote a piece that identified some of his pitches as, as really good. And he's got a 250 ERA too, so he can't, can't sneeze at that, but the skills don't back it up at all. I would put him as more of a true talent, 380, 390 sort of guy, which again has some value this year, but but just be choosy with him. Uh Sean Newcomb we talked about on the last pod, and I had him, you know, I I'd said something on the last solo pod about um, you know, being really careful because he hasn't walked guys yet and he had major walk issues. I've been really impressed with this guy. He's got a 66% first pitch strike rate. Eno and I talked about some things that may have happened in the minors that might have elevated that stru- stru- uh excuse me, walk rate a little bit artificially in terms of uh umpires not being able to properly call his curveball and um oh, what the hell else was the other thing we said? I can't remember. Oh, uh, sometimes having to just being forced to throw changeups because his changeup isn't very good, and if the if the Braves and and the Angels before that were mandating 15, 20 changeups a game that he had to throw regardless, and they said we don't care what the results are, just throw them, that could also elevate his walk rate. So I think we might have a guy here in Sean Newcomb who's better than his minor league numbers right out of the gate because of some circumstances that might have been beyond his control uh, with mandated change-ups and a, a devastating curveball that minor league umpires simply can't call properly. Alex Meyer's a little bit of a ticking time bomb, but I understand why folks are using him right now because uh, you need... You just need pitching. You need something that 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 has a little flash to it too. If if there's a little upside built in there, and he does have 10.6 strikeouts per nine, I get it. But 5.8 walks, it's not like even during his his uh, good starts lately, he's not walking guys. He still is, and that's why it's a bit of a ticking time bomb thing with uh, w- with Alex Meyer. He has just one start where he doesn't first off he doesn't have a walk free start all year and he has just one where he was under under two walks so he usually walks at least two but he's got four three five two four two four five one two too many walks uh for alex meyer but you can use him right now while while uh while things are working uh let's see here mike Fultanevich, kevin gossman two very maddening guys although i did just write about gossman and then he went out and he was he was pretty good. Although he's been really good against Toronto all year, so I'm not even like completely sold that that was like some sort of turning point. But one of the things that I was looking for um, was was his command. Um, it's been an issue, and where he's putting the ball, where he's missing, um, I, I think that's an issue right now. Like his raw stuff is 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 still the way it's been in terms of velocity and the split finger and, and the inability to uh, have a reliable breaking ball, but his, his zone placement, he's having some bad luck and he's having some, some struggles. Gossman's a guy that he's not this bad though. You guys know I've loved Gossman. So I am annoyed and I have pushed back from him just because he's been so bad, but I I can't fully quit him even with a 607 ERA and and skills that, that kind of match it. Um, I'm still keeping an eye on him. I wouldn't say go get him though. Dynasty league maybe. That'd be the only one, like that one where you you keep everybody and you can get them for nothing. But other leagues, um, wait to see something or that juicy two start week where you're desperate. I get it, but until we see a run, um, I'm gonna I'm not gonna change my outlook on on Kevin Gossman right now. I'm I'm, I'm a little bit down on him. Uh, Fultonevich, yeah, I just. I was excited about him coming into the year because I thought he took some strides last year, and he, you know, he throws really. Another guy who who proves that velocity alone will not uh, yield success. Not that a four ten ERA is the end of the world. We 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 keep talking about. That. I'm gonna keep reiterating that a four ten in today's environment is something that you can take a look at. But overall, I I, I don't know that it's gonna be much better than this, like three seventy. You know, which which is fine but he doesn't get enough strikeouts for the stuff that he has. Because when his stuff is on, it's good. But I don't think it's not on consistently enough. It's just not. not. He's got the pitches, but he doesn't um, use them. Or, or I guess here's the thing. Does he have the pitches if they're not good regularly enough? Maybe at that point you can't say that he has them. He can flash them. So Mike fulton I've pushed back on, on where I, I had some – high expectations coming into the year I probably had him ranked i think in the 60s and now here he's uh 87th he's a deep league play i think charlotte's crying because uh she has mike on every one of her rosters and wants to go outside so i'm gonna take her out all right we're approaching three hours on this so i'm just gonna talk about a few other guys that uh i'm kind of interested in and we'll wrap it up nick pavetta was a guy i was keeping an eye on I think he had a really bad start. What was it, yesterday, maybe against the Mariners? Let me take a look here. But th- there are some intriguing factors about what uh what Pavetta's doing. Let me see here. Let me pull that up. If you look at his base numbers now, they're not good. That is for sure. He has a 540 ERA and a 167 whip. <sighs> whip. Um yeah, he was flamed out at Arizona, not at not at Seattle. Philly's playing Seattle right now. Two days ago, they were they were in Arizona. Oh yeah, that was that Monday game. But he but he'd been on a nice little run before that, like four straight solid starts. I don't, I don't want to say quality because they not if I say quality starts that implies six six and three, um, two of them. Pardon me, were only five innings, but they weren't bad. I don't know. You know the 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 seven shutout against Boston certainly. Um, earned some attention for Nick Pavetta and then 10 strikeouts against St. Louis in the next outing. Eh, there's a little something here, right? He's, he throws 94. Um, he's got three pitches, although it's two breaking balls. I mean, he only throws his, his change up 7% of the time. I need to watch more, uh, on, on Pavetta. Let, let, let's put it that way. Let's, let's cap it on, on Pavetta that way. I'm intrigued by, by the box score scouting that I've seen and, and like the quick pitch highlights. Um, that I've watched, but I need to see more before I can make a, a, a firm call here. That's why he's at near the back end of the spot start and could very much easily be in the in the could starts, which is more of the super deep league and you're looking for two star guys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Zach Davies has kind of gotten himself back on track to what to what he is. Right, like this guy isn't a stud. I think we knew that coming in. Even if you had confidence in him, you knew that he wasn't a stud. But you were hoping that he'd just be that that solid, high threes, low fours guy, and he's at 4.96 right now. But if you look at over his last 10, uh, 12 starts, he's a 3.97 in 6, 65 and two thirds innings, which is what he had last year, 3.97 ERA. So tough start to the season where he didn't make it to the sixth inning in any of his first four outings and give up six, five, three, and four. And he's still a five, six inning guy. That's the problem, though, is because if he gives up the three, four runs, it it can be it can be problematic, let alone anything higher because he's only going five innings. He just doesn't go deep in the game. So that's that's a little bit of a concern with Davies, but that's why he is down here so low. Uh, Jumping into the into the could starts, I think Mike Clevenger, somebody I would move up right now, um, if, if since we are doing some reassessments on the fly here. I like Mike Clevenger and I liked him coming into the year. But, you know, the one thing that really irked me this year was throwing the ball all over the place. And I was like, okay, well, hanging out with Trevor Bauer a little bit too much and maybe stop doing that. But he's tough to hit. And it's one of those things where you give up the walks but not the hits. I, I kind of encourage that, particularly in this. Maybe in this era, that's, that's not a bad strategy. You know, don't give in on the guys that you know can can take your bridge. Instead, you know, maybe pitch around them. If you walk them, face face the easier guy. You know, you're not gonna blatantly walk everyone. You don't want you don't want traffic, but you don't want to give in either and just give up yaks left and right. So, uh, I'm I'm hyped on Clevenger generally speaking, especially long term. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts against the Rangers last time out. I like that. Showing flashes. Let's just say it's showing flashes. I do think that he's upped himself into the spot start category with the strikeout prowess that he has this year. And I should have moved him there. I had him right on the cusp of the, the could starts. Uh, I would, I would bump him. Um, yeah, there, you know, one other guy, I I'm actually just going to finish with this guy. Cause like I said, we're coming up on three hours. If you have questions about anybody in a could start, uh, or the don't start tier, I guess you can put it in the comments and I'll, and I'll answer there because, um, we gotta wrap this up. Some of you're gonna to have to take a few days to uh, listen to this entire thing, if you even do it all. Uh, Jose Urina is a guy that um, I've actually kind of been on for a little while. Not really so much publicly. I did write about him in the in the Baseball HQ Forecaster. I did his cap, so I, I deep dove on him, um, and so I know more about him than I probably normally would because I had to. I wanted to figure out what was up. He throws 94, 95. Uh, actually, this year he's averaging 96, but. I, Exhibit five trillion. That velocity alone does not equal success. He has a fifteen percent strikeout rate, a nine percent swinging strike rate. So there's more to it than just uh than just throwing hard. But he does have the slider and the changeup as well, and he uses both of them over twenty percent of the time. I think there are some pieces here for Jose arena Now, I don't know what. Well, first off, he has a three thirty three ERA this year, right, and a one twenty five WHIP. So. That alone is working, but it's fraudulent. Okay, 1.6 strikeout-to-walk ratio. You understand how he has a 505 FIP. Now, if someone did kind of mic drop on his FIP, I would understand it a little bit more with Jose Arena because the skills are in fact poor. But I think he's more likely to improve his his skills while his ERA goes up than just meander toward that FIP. Um so I, like i said i could, i could see him maybe being a 420 era guy but but hopefully kind of learning some things figuring it out a little bit more and striking out i don't know 18 19% at least he's still learning he's very much still learning but i think there's actually a little shred of something here with Jose Arena. he might he might be best served in in what isn't yet a uh, um an accepted role in the league of of you know 60 pitch guy um, but, you know, I, I referenced him earlier. Doug Thorburn always talks about how it's one inning or six inning guy. And we, we don't have anything else in between, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I completely agree with him. There is a role for two inning guy, two, three inning guy. And that might be Jose Arena. 549 first time through OPS, 693 second time through, 944 third time through. So maybe he's just a three inning guy. Um, but either way. I'm, keep, I'm keeping an eye on him this, that's, a, that's a deep play for you we'll, we'll end that one on a super deep play With, uh, with Jose Arena. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this I was kind of excited about doing this um, You know, I figure You guys love hearing starting pitcher stuff Thought maybe you'd want to hear my thoughts On a hell of a lot of guys Especially as we figure out this landscape this year It's been so crazy That uh, hopefully this is useful to y'all And we will be doing the update uh, Of the next pitcher rankings At the All-Star break Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Eno.